G'day denizens of the mortal realms. It is time to get into our Castellite formation because we are talking about the new cities of Sigma. Um, at the time of recording, it is the day of launch. So um, it hasn't hit the shelf just yet, but more importantly, why I'm telling you this is because they may be erratas and FAQs along the way. So Check this out if you're watching this a little bit further in time, but we are going to give you our first thoughts and kind of start breaking this book down a little bit um, to help you understand, because it is a big book. The Old Cities book was super complicated, and we are going to break it down in a three-part series. So my first guest is joining me from the Free Guild ranks. It is the Marshal himself, Bart, um, one of the top performing the Cities of Sigma players, someone who... I've been talking to a long time about cities and absolute champion, and uh, I'm really excited to kind of unpack this with a very human flavor. So it, we will talk about elves, we will talk about Duarden, but we'll kind of simplify the book a little bit and focus on the humans for a vast majority of this conversation. So before we get into it and get into the rules and unpack this, I want to pass it over, but g'day, welcome, introduce yourself to the mortal realms. Thanks, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um... Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about cities. I kind of was like a natural segue for me to get back into cities when I came back to the game. I stopped when a lot of other people did, when they had the magical fall of heart of 8th edition. And uh, kind of came back slightly after that, and, uh, right around 3rd edition starting. And I was like, well, what am I going to do with all these little battle for skull passes? And I was like, I don't know, Iron Drakes look fun. So I hopped into Iron Drakes and started teleporting them around the board for the last two years and had a blast with that. Stopped because I recently went into corn. So this year's focus is corn. So you'll probably won't see me play cities till LVO, except for maybe a few TTS matches here and there. Um, but yeah, I've been I've been loving cities ever since. There's just such a big range, and there's so many like fun little techie things that you could do with the old book. And I, I think they did a good job kind of grasping that and bringing it into the new book without you know relying on some of the old stuff. So it's cool. Yeah, it's fascinating because when we very first got the first Cities of Sigma book, was it 2019 or 2018, whatever that was, mm -hmm. um, it was that massive soup of just the old world armies. It's like, what can we do with the High Elves, the Empire, the Dwarves, and the Wood Elves? And let's just chuck them into this, and Dark Elves, chuck it into this weird soup that has literally no synergy. It's like multiple small little armies across the board. And... I found it really difficult to kind of build this because it was kind of forcing you down into one route. So um, it'd be great to kind of talk to you today and unpack to see what's changed and how do you make sense? Because it is so synergistic. There are so many keywords that the old book would kind of force you in one way. How's this change? But what what is your first thoughts? Like, you know, now that we've had the book and, you know, for anyone who um, has seen the rules or you have had a little bit of seen the chatter that's been happening or Games Workshop's been talking about the rules, um, what's your early thoughts? What's your early thoughts of the battle tome? You know, my first thing was probably what a lot of people thought as I looked at it and I was like, come on, man, let me just play my elves and dwarves and humans together. I'm sure everybody was kind of over it, you know? Like, all right, whatever. So I started looking through the book a bit and I actually think they did a pretty decent job of kind of, bringing them all together. So the humans ha have their their kind of play with each other, and then they kind of want to maybe splash a unit of elves or something, or a couple units of elves, or you might run one of one and then splash a little bit of that. So I, I think the kind of the way that I ended up starting looking at it is like, cool, I'm going to run, run one of them as my main, and then the other, maybe it's storms or elves, whatever, I run them as like 30% of my army, they give me a battle tactic, and they might do something that the humans couldn't do, whatever that is, maybe get around the board quickly, through heavy armor safe stuffs, whatever that is, you know. 
So I think they've kind of done a pretty good job with that. Now, obviously, everyone's looked at uh, some of the this, this, this spicier things, we'll say, um, and called them, you know, oh, this is crazy, you know. But uh, I think they do want you to get into the humans and check some of the stuff out. And they've done a really good job with the models. The sculpts are beautiful. Uh, I mean, obviously, everyone saw that can and it was like, I got to get about seven of those cannons to put them on the table, you know. There's some there's some really cool models that are are out with this book and uh, like I think they did a good job kind of with all that stuff and mixing them all together and kind of bringing it back together and making it feel more like cities where you still have your combos you still have all the little tiny things that fit together but it's maybe not as much of all right you have to take this hero with this unit and this hero with this unit to get the buffs like it used to. Yeah, it was super, when you looked at it at a very granular level, especially because of the elves and how like the high elves, the dark elves and the wood elves kind of worked, you know, you were building very micro forces, even the humans, you had the collegiate arcane versus the free guild. And there was, it was really hard to find the combinations. I want to pause for a second, rewind. So you talked about the models, yeah. um, big changes with the models, especially because you're right. It, the old book, it was a big soup and now I do feel like there's a bit more of a common theme, um, especially with the free guild side, the human side. And it kind of looks a little bit more aligned to the dwarves, which I really like. But model-wise, fan, not a fan, what's your thoughts? You know, my first thought was, okay, it kind of looks a little different because you normally get a lot of more heroic value. And a lot of the models, you know, you look at the Fire Slayers, the dwarves are very different. You look at the elves, like Marathi and the Bosnicks. All right, a lot of that stuff just looks different. And here it almost feels more 40 ks to me because it feels like they're bringing some of that darker side of stuff. They're trying to get into the nitty gritty of the humans that are actually, you know, slogging through it. You know, the steel humps feel like the dudes that just sit there and just take it. You know what I mean? Like, that's their job. And then like, cool. Now we've got these guys and we're like, man, we're in Gur. We need bigger guns. All right, we'll get a bigger gun. Well, how are we going to protect ourselves? Throw a shield on the front. Let's go. You know, so I feel, I feel like they kind of did a good job kind of bringing in a little bit of that almost like a 40 cast feel but into the actual uh realm that we're currently in with the realm of Gur. yeah it's fascinating because you know like we've always we've all been thinking like what do the humans look like in the mortal realms especially how do you make a army that is maybe in shayish versus Gur versus akshi and it's interesting when you look at the old range, especially in the free guild range, and people have seen my love-hate relationship with the new models. The steel helms, I'm still going to try to swap their heads to see if I can put like the old free guild heads on top of it, the old hat and feather and the things that I really enjoy. But you do feel it's a little bit more customizable. So whether you want to make a Lethus army, whether you want to make a um, Mist Harvard army, you want to do something that's Living City, there's enough there to make it customizable um, without having to be a master converter and kit basher. And I think that's kind of the th one of the key things I really like. Yeah. My, my real question is how many people you think are going to show up with free guild guard and little tiny tinfoil hats on each one? <laughs> it's a good, it's a good question. It's a good question. And it's going to be curious because People are got, and we'll talk about some of the range that's changed a lot. Um, you know, you're going to have handgunners. Are people going to go buy the new version of the handgunners? The um, the what's it called? The uh, fusiliers. Players, yeah, yeah. You know, are, are people going to run handgunners versus the fusiliers? Are people going to find alternatives to the um, the cavaliers? You know, um, from various ranges. Uh, are you someone like me who's already kit bashed a whole bunch of um, knights to look like Drakespawn knights? So. I think it's probably one of the cool things I really love about cities is that it has got a lot of um, expression 
and you can customize it to the way you want to see your city. Yeah, definitely. And with that, I mean, I don't want to get into too many of the new units, but with the, you know, the the soup that is the human palooza, with that, you can use a lot of your old cool heroes to to fill that role. Like I've already got a Wood Elf banner bearer that's going to be my banner guy. You know what I mean? You're going to go through your old stuff, find some pewter stuff that you haven't seen in forever, put it on the table and be like, this is my command core. You know what I mean? Because it can be really whatever you want. It's, really it's funny you say it's funny you say that because I'm looking at the great cannon and I'm looking at my old empire cannon. So I've got about <laughs> five or six empire cannons, and I want to kit bash them. I, I'm 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 an empire guy. So anyone who played fantasy battles back in the day, I love. I'm obsessed with empire. Um, so when I'm looking at the pope, the uh, the matriarch, I'm like, how can I kit bash this with the grand theogonist? How right. can I tap into different things and? you know, being the special unique butterfly that I am, I'll have something that's special to me as opposed to box art. And that's cool, but it allows me to express myself in a little different way. Yeah. How cool would a war priest be as one of those guys? You know what I mean? Like oh. the, the one that gives off the commands, you know what I mean? You can use all that stuff that you used to have, put a cool theme together and then great. That's your command corp. And it's something that you can spend a lot of money or a lot of time on, you know what I mean? Like a little bit of investment. It looks neat. It's unique to you. 100%. And it's funny because Bart and I were talking a little earlier. And uh, as soon as the book came out, I had to put a Twitter post up and I said, X post, sorry now. Um, I said, I have 140 flagellants that I've owned since like, actually, I started my flagellant journey in Empire. Like I ha always had like a block of 20 or 30 flagellants. So as soon as I saw Vindicarum, I'm like, I'm running 100 flagellants. Like I, and we'll get into the rules. We'll talk about lists. But I think, I think, Folks, if you're listening to this, you are seeing genuine excitement from Bart and I about the new opportunities either to model, to paint, but also to play new list ideas, which uh, I think we're both pretty excited for, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. I've been talking to a lot of the like really good players and everyone's got a different take, which is really neat. Yeah, like, and, and um, you know, I've got a another chat coming up pretty soon with a gentleman over in the UK called Freddie, and I know Freddie is a big fan of the the elf side. So, you know, when you start looking at this, whether it's from a human lens, an elf lens, a dwarf lens, the the way you interpret the sub factions and the combinations, there's just endless possibilities, which is what I really like. But it's through that as well, you get a lot of complexity. It's like, yeah. where do I start? How many do I get? And you can get into this like analysis paralysis. You're buying models, you paint them up. They don't work the way you did. And you're just in this constant cycle of like, it's hard. And that's kind of why we're going to talk about this um, today. So what do you think the strengths are from this book? So we've talked about versatility. We've talked about um, obviously conversion and, and painting, but like as a, as a functional army, what is its strengths on the battlefield? Um, I think the real thing that's going to be nice is it's going to allow you to put a lot of guys on the battlefield um, and just play with a bunch of dudes just running up the middle. Um, it kind of really gets that city's feel of like, hey, you know, we're not the best at anything, but we're going to try our best and we're going to bring a bunch of guys back. And then you know, without getting into the mechanics, you know, you put a lot of dudes on the field, they can feel pretty tanky and hang out. You can also get some good shooting. You can also get some guys that are moving up your flank pretty quick, you know, so uh, there's a lot of different options again like you're saying the book pairs really well the units and heroes do really well together so you know whether it's like a cavalry hero with a cavalry unit those do great you know you bring a foot hero he's going to be able to support that unit or multiple units and there's a the way they they brought and we'll get into orders in a bit but the way they brought orders into it it allows for a lot of these units to work very synergistically move together um, and also allows a lot of counterplay into your opponents. So I, I think this game, this army is going to have a really high skill expression. 
I think trying to figure out what the orders are and which ones you drop when and where are going to be really good. And uh, it'll allow you to just kind of play around what your opponents are doing. So I think yeah, it'd be so, really fun. So if you want to build a shooting list, there is absolutely a build and a very strong build. Um, one of the ones that potentially could see a points increase, which is why we're saying this is currently as we know it, there could be an errata or an FAQ in the next four to six weeks. So we'll kind of, keep that in the back of your mind but you know there's a really good shooting kind of component um you do have some great melee options you can run monsters you can run magic you can run um lots of troops you can run little troops the there is so many different options to this hell run an army of steam tanks like if you want to run steam tanks with like a, a, a stupid save and just like go forth ah. do it, it, it it's like viable yeah, you it's put like so 10 up on the board. Just go, here's my army. <laughs> Have fun with it. <laughs> it's sons, but in CD4, be like, here's a steam deck. What, <laughs> what's you two on every objective. You're like, all right, whatever. But it's okay. I'm going to have fun killing everything. Speaking of steam tank, less less about the steam tank, more about a segue. Has there been any of the existing units that have kind of really stood out to you where there's been a glow up where you're like, oh, I didn't really run that before. And now it's like, oh, wait a second. I'm looking at you. Um, yeah, there's there's a couple things that have kind of had a glow up. Uh, honestly, it's kind of hard to say Steel Helms because I feel like Steel Helms are kind of like Regal Guard. So, okay, those might be new units, but I like I like them as a glow up. Um, I'll say the Free Guild Heroes because I don't know if their name changed or exactly how that works, but the all three of the Free Guild Heroes are fantastic. I'm really excited to see all three of them on the battlefield, and I see reasons to bring all three of them. I mean, the foot hero is great. He brings this little command core and gets a four-up board. It's like the old city's rule where you used to get the four-up board. It's great. The griffin's really good. Um, it's a little expensive, but it gets to roar two things. You can have all kinds of fun stuff. And then you've got the mounted hero that gets to run around with the cavalry and just wreak havoc. It's, it's kind of hilarious. And the, the, the book kind of helps you want to run more heroes. So mm. the heroes just are fantastic. You know, saying Steam Tanks again. Steam Tank was one of the ones on the list. You know, two of Armor Saves, hilarious. Um, it might be a little bit of a meme, but it's a fun meme, you know. You might not go to a tournament and win win too many games, but you're going to have a blast doing it. Uh, and then, of course, you know, a lot of people are looking out there and they see Huracanums and they're like, oh, it shoots in both phases. It's not going to stay, guys. Don't go out and buy four Huracanums. If you don't already have them, don't go invest in them. It's a fun joke. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got two, maybe three. I can't remember. I think I've got three. Yeah. I don't know if you've met Nick True, but he's got four sitting on the shelf ready to go. Yeah. He's had them for a while, but he's pretty excited about it. Um, and then, uh, you know, I would say a glow adjacent is the battle mages. I kind of like the way that they change them up and they've got some really cool spells, uh, especially in our magic world that we're in right now. It's, it's a good location. And, um, you know, I also like the fact that maybe they're not going to get used in every single army. Uh, they still do have the plus one to their war scroll, but that's not enough for Sylvaneth to be taking them and all the other armies to be taking them. Stormcast RIP. So Stormcast players, if you were using yeah. Wild Form to get plus one while we played in GUR, plus two on your run and charge for your for your um, Dracoline type, um, like Dracothian Guard, sorry, not sorry. Sylvaneth as well is another one. It's like Battle Mage, Stupid Endless Spell, plus five on the charge. No. Nah. Yeah, so they they kind of limited that, but that's why I said glow adjacent. I think it's better for cities, and I think it makes you want to bring more of them, and maybe not just this one specific thing. And you know, I think it'll give you a few more options to real to play around. And and I really think eternal balance is really important in this game. 
and just giving as many options to the player. I mean, obviously, a lot of people, like you said, look at this and are kind of like, where do I start? But at the same time, it does give you the option to go, okay, cool, this good player ran this. Let me try it out, and then I'm going to change some things to it and make it my own. I'll call out two other ones that you didn't mention that I think are at least interesting to explore. Um, the first one is the dad and uh, daughter combination. So Dorelia is someone that I was playing with a little bit, and I really enjoy her, especially in this magic meta where her her shots against wizards are doing double damage. But she used to cost like 110 points. Now for 160 points, I get both of them, which yeah. I think is a which I think for two heroes for 160 points. It's good value. That's good yeah. value. I agree. I mean, and they come in the box together. So it's like, might as well make you run them both together. And they, they actually play really nice off of each other. No one ever ran dad. Dad uh, never okay. got around. Um, the other one, which was uh, fascinating, and I've just thought, I've, I've lost it. I had it. Um, I'll remember it in a second. I, I know the assassin for me was a surprise because uh, the assassin now has to go into an elf unit, which I thought, oh, the assassin used to own, like you rarely saw the assassin to begin with. Now it's like restricted it even more. Yeah. Kind of a little bit, kind of a little bit sad there. Yeah, I'm I'm not super happy with where they put that. Um, but the the command core guy that's like an assassin in the unit, that guy hits pretty hard, man. He's he's a blast. <laughs> I had fun using him. I've just had a mind blank. I had another one I was going to call out. I'm sure it'll, it'll come back to me as we're talking, but there are some interesting changes, some cool changes. But to your point, something you mentioned that I, I kind of want to share with everyone now, the way I look at cities, and I'll get Bart your opinion in a second, is the, exactly the same way I look at my gits. I either run a 60, 60 to 70% of my points into one build, so it might be human, dwarves, or elves, and then I could be doing 30% um, elsewhere. So I could do like squigs and trogs or grots and squigs, so some combination, or I'm looking at power pairs and power trios. So I'm like, right, I've got my squigs. It needs a squig boss. I've got my trogs. I need my trog boss. And the same is true here. You know, I'm going to have X unit. I'm going to have to have Y unit to kind of complement it. So uh, rune lord with hammerers and thunderers, like just like that's a little combination. Yeah, no, 100%. I think I think it's going to maintain through, like, true through this whole book is you really kind of want the heroes. And I said they didn't pair them as much as they did previously, but it, it also allows you a little more freedom this time. Uh, you know, like you said, you might want a rune lord for something else. But, you know, the city's hero, not only does he does do stuff for the, the, the units that he's around, he's also got the orders as well. And we'll get into those, but he can buff other things. And, you know, he's got all kinds of stuff on his board. Scroll, and I think it's pretty neat. Oh, I remember the other change as well. Oh, this wasn't the one I was thinking about, but another one that I thought was really interesting is you can take the Drakespawn chariots and the Scourge Runner chariots now in units of three, yep. where before they were just solo. So um, I think that's an interesting little choice. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I've told around with a few different lists, like you said, as trios. Uh, you know, we'll talk about it later, but Sorceress and maybe some of those Drakespawn knights, and then you want the cavalry to go with them because the chariots get better when they're near the cavalry. So. It's a cool little combo where you can just throw all three of those units together, maybe tag that into uh, an infantry build of humans or maybe a dwarf build. And this is your little elf unit that can just pop off to the left or to the right and kind of whittle out things and take an objective for you and maybe pick up another battle tactic. So let me ask you just before, I'm going to get into the rules in a second, but yeah. one question I want to ask you is we are currently in General's Handbook 2023, which is Antorian Locus and Wizard Goodness and Hoarfrost and yada, yada, yada. 
How do you think this book is going to play out, knowing that as well we're going to be here for 12 months? So we know that this is not a part A, part B series. So we're going to have this for a fair while. Yeah, uh, I think it's. I think cities will play well into it. Um, and I think they get a lot of, we'll call it temporary power from, from the GHB. And the, re, the, the reason for that is you've got the, uh, there's three or four different wizards that really do well with the extra cast. And the spell lore for this book is really solid. Uh, like you said, we'll get into the spell lore, but there's at least three or four spells that you want to be casting and you're trying to get them off as high as, as a high value as possible. Uh, and cities doesn't really have a lot of spell defense. So you can also use that to leverage uh, stopping certain spells as well. You know, the ones that you're really scared of, whatever croaks that run at you. Granted, it's 15 spells, but you know, maybe it's something from Zeeps that you wanted to stop really bad, you know, or some sort of teleport. But we do have the Luminarch. So if you want to go into the anti-magic, we got the good old Luminarch. This is true. All right. So let's get into the actual book and the changes. The first one I want to kind of acknowledge is the rules have fundamentally changed. Back in the old book, um, for those who might remember it, you could coalition one in four would be like Stormcast. Some of them could coalition like Tempest Eye could do one in four KO. Um was that one in four? What was the other? What was the other ones? There was a couple of Silverneth. Yeah, Living City Silverneth. There was a couple of one in fours. So um, it did allow you to do some cheeky things like bring four dragons or four formidators that go above your match play ally pool. Um, there were some things like your honored retinue, where if two idiots stood next to each other, you could generate a command point. There was a whole bunch of rules, and even the way that the sub-factions, your Hallow Hearts, your Tempest Eye, those like would have their set spells, they would have set abilities and set artifacts. That's all changed, completely changed. But what's your thoughts and um, are you sad that some of these things have gone? Do you think what we've got is a glow up? Where are you at? You know, uh, originally I was kind of sad because, you know, it's fun to dive in and do these crazy things, but I think it's better for newer players. And I think that Basically, what you're looking at now is, you know, everything's kind of the same, and then you use your sub-faction to either tool into something, or it, it's a much more minor bonus, you know what I mean? So uh, I noticed the corn book, and there's quite a few books that have been similar in this facet, that maybe your sub-faction isn't the most important thing. So then everything's balanced outside of that, and then people will choose their sub-faction from that. Uh, I mean, there's sometimes there's a problem with sub one sub-faction is the only one people choose. Um and it's hard to fix that in a scenario like this, but I don't think it'll be the case because I think these subfactions are are unique enough. The cities are unique enough that you get some really cool options. Um, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. You're not going to miss having – you've lost the Phoenician. You've lost uh, Anvil Guard slash oh, yeah. Are you going to miss those as subfactions? Um, well, I mean, we'll get into it in a second, but again, with all the, all the models getting dropped, it's hard to have a Phoenician anymore, but <laughs> I know that's a sore spot for both of us. Thoughts and prayers for our high elves. So if you had, and this is, this is the, so this was the old range folks. So I just want to kind of share the, the journey for the first time. So you're seeing here a bunch of units that have been legend. Uh, and I'm sure Bart's going to talk a bit about a little little swerve we could possibly do. But you can see on the screen here, you've got your high elf stuff. So your flame and your frost phoenix, your uh, anointed. There was um, some of the free guild range. So your pistoliers, your handgunners, your demigriff knights, your um, your free guild guard, your great swords. You had some uh, wood elf stuff. So your um, sisters of the thorn, sisters of the watch, uh, your shadow warriors. There's a whole bunch. I think it's about 15 in total um 
Oh, I think I've got a wrong cross there. The Cogsmith is still in. So ignore the cross there. Ignore that yeah, one. But... <laughs> Poor old Cogsmith. But how were you impacted by the um the 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 changes and the removal from the old book? Apart from not being able to get a box of Eternal Guard for my new corncast army that I'm building over here, because uh, I'm using their heads. Other than that, I don't think it's really that big of a deal. I think you know a lot of people might have been upset at first, but almost every option that you're seeing up here that's dropped has a good viable option in the new book. So you know, for example, I I'm really excited about like running Cavaliers. I'll probably just run Wild Riders as my Cavaliers. They're great models. They look nice. Um, they're probably going to be on a similar base. So I'll just end up basically, you know, slightly moving some stuff over and we're good to go. You know, Phoenix Guard are gone, but uh, what do you call it? The, uh, Execu the ex executioners. Yeah, you can run them as executioners. You can run them as Black Guard because Black Guard also get a four up if they're nor near a sorceress. So they literally don't even change. They're the exact same models, basically. Um, they might even have the same stats. I got to check. But uh, and and you can run any of these, you know. You can run Eternal Guard as Dread Spears or even, you know, Steel Helms, whatever you really wanted to run them as. And I don't think a lot of your opponents are going to have a problem with that. I know if you really want to go kind of off the rails and there's some question marks, maybe bring some tokens and set them in front of the unit that says this unit is this. Um, but I mean, even, you know, Frostheart Phoenix, they're, they're great models. Uh, you know, you could probably just put that on the Black Dragon base and call it a Black Dragon or even a Griffin. And I don't think anyone's ever going to have a problem. You know, they might innately think that there's a four ward save on it. We talked about earlier, but other than that, I don't, I don't think any of your opponents are going to complain about that. Yeah, I, as a tournament organizer, imagine this time next year, um, there is going to be proxies. Um, for example, great swords. I love my great swords. Uh, great swords are no longer in the range. I want to have like a thematic thing in my army, so I'm going to bring them as executioners or blackguard. And I can see that as being a conversation. So it doesn't mean that you have to kind of remove them. I'm sure. Uh, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not giving you permission, by the way. It'll be up to your event organizers. Um, but I can I can see a lot of leniency as long as, as you said, that conversation is happening and it's very clear that x is y or um the characteristics are the same so um maybe your uh sisters of the thorn the ones on foot or watch i always I always confuse the two i think it's on the watch the one watch on, the on the foot yeah yeah i always get the two confused um yeah. doesn't matter they're gone but you could potentially maybe put a shield in front of them and maybe call them your fusiliers whatever like i'm yeah. sure there's something in there Make sure to email your TOs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> in in when in doubt, yes, please contact your, your your TO and just let them know why you're doing it. And I'm sure uh, they'll be cool with it. I will say though, I am surprised Demi Griffiders didn't make the cut. So that's probably the big one that really surprised me. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, I'm an old Wood Elf player, which is another reason why I got into cities. But I was surprised that some of those Wood Elf lines are very nice lines, and they're newer than. Uh, you know, a lot of these Dark Elf things. And I'm surprised that they cut the Wood Elf out and not the Dark Elf. I'm sure they've got their reasons, but it was very surprising. So it makes me wonder if Old World plays a part to this. But um, I, I felt the same kind of way with um, when we moved to the original cities because the War Altar, which is the same kid as the Hurricanum Luminarch at the age, right? Well, the age that got cut, but Hurricanum Luminarch stayed. But even though we lost some things, we did gain a whole bunch of things. So there's a whole bunch of new new models. I'm going to do a quick round of like it or don't like it. Um, you can tell me if it's because of rules or whether it's because of model or whatever. Um, 
it's up to you. So let's do the the rapid fire round. Do it. I'm Will Great Cannon. I love it. It's too cool. It's just, I love it. Yeah, I mean, it's just a giant cannon with some dudes drinking beer, getting ready to shoot a cannon. It's it's fantastic. I love it. I think it might need a points decrease though. Oh, 100%. Yeah. It needs I only love it cuz of how cool it looks. It it needs a points decrease 100%. Yeah, it's a little too high. Yeah. But uh your steel helms, your free guild steel helms. Uh they're great. Uh you know, the aesthetics kind of awkward with the helms, but it's okay. Um but in game you're going to see them everywhere. They're they're just one of the, they're going to be the backbone to almost every army. Yeah, and in, and in this limited edition box, you do get 20, so it's a good start. I, I do see a lot of armies using them. Um, I will probably be trying out some head swaps as well with uh, with the Steel Helms. Your Alchemite Warforger. Oh, fantastic. The rules are fantastic. The, the model looks great. There's nothing wrong with that one right there. <laughs> His points are going up so Oh, 100%. <laughs> He's going up by almost 50%. I'm calling it now. <laughs> it, 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 this is the Scrag Rot of cities like scraggy was 150 he's now gone to 210 make no mistake this guy's probably going to sit on 150 like oh, yeah. 140 150 like it's plus one to cast ward bubble like there's so many things in his model it's like how are you cheaper than a sorceress oh yeah well he just gives all humans plus one to say they're within 12 like okay mystic shield for everyone that's the only reason i bring a sorcerer in some list or a wizard <laughs> okay <laughs> We'll let the limited edition box sell to see how, how long yeah. this stays at 90 points. Yeah. Your free guild marshal and the relic envoy. Uh, I love him. He's great. Uh, and gameplay's good. Uh, cool looking model. Not bad. Like I said, the yeah. city's list is really cool. If you're running free guild, like you're definitely going to run this unless you're building around the, the knights, which leads me to the equivalent. So the cavalier uh, marshal. Again, like they're... I've never said anything bad about the way GW sculpts. They always do some really cool stuff. Um, and they, this model looks great. And then the rules are actually good too. So it makes me want to bring a couple of them in a couple different lists. Yeah. If I'm running a night list, I'm definitely bringing one of these. And it is interesting because I used to run like pistoliers, outriders, uh, demigriff, uh, demigriff knights, but I never had a hero to support them other than the free guild general on Griffin. And I wanted that to be annoying um as opposed to a support piece and this this allows me to have a support model which uh, i'm really happy for the next one my personal favorite you're going up in points i know that the pope the pope himself uh oh, the pontifex yeah. zenestra matriarch of the great wheel um it's a her by the way i think it's a her um so. i'm pretty sure uh, i'll be using volkmar the grim at least for a head swap where are we at with the matriarch um cool looking model and way too cheap this is gonna go up just like scrag rod just like the, the other one i think this is where they'll hit the focus and the the support pieces and i think it needs to go up uh, at least 30 percent. yeah it's, it's at the moment i'm seeing a lot of lists where it's like auto include 150 like you you're finding you're finding space for the uh for the pope so mm -hmm. um i love the model as well i can't wait to get my hands on it whenever it comes it's not out just yet but it, but i can't wait to get my hands on that one Talia, the um, the lioness of the parch, the Manticore um, leader. Again, the sculpt's gorgeous. I think they did such a good job with making this model. Um, I wish the rules kind of met it a little better. Uh, it's really nice to have, but uh, it only gives his four, the four-up rally in combat. I don't know if they're going to touch that up. Maybe just give it a general four-up rally, and then it might be worth its points. But uh, I think it might need some some help somewhere along the line. 
She had a really interesting monstrous rampage as well, I thought was fascinating. The pick one enemy monster that made a charge in this turn uh, on a three plus the strike last, which it's got some interesting rules, um, I, I won't lie. Uh, I'm curious to kind of unpack this a little further, but um, I, it, it is hard to see this and a free guild general on Griffin being in a list. Um, I feel like they're competing with one another at least. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And the, the new free guild general has got the the double roar, and you can also give them an artifact. It's always the downside of uniques. They can't take that artifact. And that right there was actually the other thing I was trying to remember. I'm like, what is the other thing that I really like to glow up? And it's the free guild general on Griffin. So it's got some some good things. It still hits like a wet noodle, but it has some good rules. I, I maybe I whiff all the time. I whiff. I, it's not bad. It's not great. <laughs> It's one of those like middle of the grounds. You're like, hey, whatever. It's extra ten damage somehow. I don't know where where that came from. Maybe I just miss it with the with the sort of judgment from back in second edition. Like it was just like a killing machine. Now everything mm -hmm. just feels like it just doesn't do it. Yeah, it's just my my personal bias. Uh, a couple of other ones. You have the uh, the Gobapalooza, aka the Free Guild Command Corp. Again, these are pretty awesome. I think it's gonna it's gonna be an auto include. Uh, you're going to see it in pretty much every single list that has any form of humans in it. And uh, the rules are just, I mean, it takes up the whole page to write out the rules. <laughs> There's so many different things. You get to give three, you get to heal three units within 12 every turn. All right, cool. Or bring models back if they're infantry. Yeah, if you're running a free guild army, if you're running an elf-focused army or a, uh, a Dwarden-focused Dwarden army, less valuable but if you're running a free guild one yeah you're taking the command corp every day of the week mm -hmm. three last ones you got the fusiliers the free guild uh handgunners now with bonus shield but yep. with so much more power yeah they're, they've got a little bit uh, they've got more output for sure um i think people think they're a little better than they are um they're, they're a good solid unit um, but they're kind of like the Marathi and the Bosix thing. You got to invest a little bit to get what you need out of it. Uh, and you're, they're going to have consistent good damage and it's a good center point. And you'll see a common list where you'll see maybe 30 of these guys or maybe two blocks of 20 or maybe three blocks of 20 if you really wanted to the full dive into it. But I, I honestly, I think the go-to is going to be like 30 of them and that's it, you know? Yeah, if you invest in them, they can be really powerful. They might be on the, the the side of too cheap, or there might be some some. There's some interesting things, and when you look at the rules, for example, with the fusiliers, you get bonuses if you don't move, and that kind of makes sense. You're like, okay, the same same is true with let's say your crew boys. Like they don't move, they get some bonus things, but within the allegiance abilities, you can move them as if they didn't move, which all of a sudden, yeah, it's like, well at what point are they not moving then? Like they're always, they're always not moving. So they're always got this maximum profile, which um, makes me feel a little nervous that they might get a tweak slightly, at least for rules or at least points. But um, let's yeah, put them on the table. It was a really cool thing um, that they wanted to do was, you know, make it to where this unit, when it's stationary, gets all these buffs. And it's a really nice thing. Okay. If you want to move it now you're losing it. And that's kind of, what they've always tried to do with cities is Iron Drake's, you know, you lose a shot, Crossbowman, you lose a shot, that type of stuff. Um, and they were like, cool, so if you're stationary, you ignore all these things and get all these cool buffs. But they basically just wrote another way into the book to get around that. 
it does make me worried. Like when you build into this, um, when you go like gray water fastness and get like multiple all that attacks and you got two blocks of 20 or three blocks of 20, whatever it looks like, you then go a general with, let's say, master of ballistics for plus one to wound with the plus one attack from all that attack. And then you're adding extra range from one of the artifacts. There's like, there's so many combinations and it's like, this almost feels like it's Bliss Barb Archers again, or it's uh, Marathi and the Bow Snakes. Like it's that this combination itself, something feels like I don't know how long it's going to last. That's my that's my nervousness. Seeing maybe it's the dragons. Like I bought I bought Stormcast dragons and they had nerfed them three times basically as I bought the box. So this one makes me nervous. So maybe don't pre-order sixty or eighty of them <laughs> because you think- might. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't think it's as bad as you're thinking, um, because you know the free water or the gill water, what is it? Gray water fastness that gives you three all-out attacks. It doesn't save from the general, so they don't all get plus three to wound. So it's not as strong as you're originally thinking. You know what I mean? And I think I'm they're just, just gonna stay. I'm just saying. Look, I'm the pessimist in me makes me <laughs> worried that this is a combination that they'll knit pretty quickly, or they'll try to bring back a little. That's the pessimist in me. That's it. Uh, second last one is the Cavaliers. Uh, yeah, the Cavaliers are awesome, and they have great rules to go with them. And one of the coolest things GW's ever done is they made the unit champ the same profile as the rest of them. He just gets to keep it all the time with plus one attacks. And I'm like, oh, this is great. This is fantastic. So I don't have to memorize three different stat lines for the unit. You know, it's just all right, it's plus one attack, and it's on the charge always, basically. Thank like you, it. GW. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> having different profiles would grind my gears. The last one, which I think is a fascinating one, is the Wild Wilder Corp Hunters. Um, and it's got an interesting rule that they become battle line for every uh, Steel Helm unit you include. So um, I, I found that one really interesting. Yeah, I, I like them. They look cool. Everybody loves Doggos. Uh, they're a pretty neat little unit. They've got a little shooting attack. Um, and the best part about them is they have a pregame move. Um and everybody's afraid of zombies right now. And as Noah Singh said recently, you know, free game moves real good against zombies. So they they kind of control the board for you, and they've got some really cool options. I wonder if they're too expensive at 140. I look at it and it says it's a great idea, but it's like, uh, do I want to spend 140 for that benefit? Yeah, it's I, a I little know. expensive. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I have to see how it plays out. Yeah, but overall, I think the models are looking great. Um, the rules are some really interesting rules. You can't include all of them in your list, um, but if you whatever you want to build around, there's something for you. Yeah, which is a great segue to our oh, what a potato! Ignore me, Starboard Allegiance. Just imagine I didn't have that there. It just says Allegiance. Um, <laughs> but you've you've got a whole bunch of Allegiance abilities for your cities of Sigma. Um, first off, you have a whole bunch of sub factions, and you have one battle trait and that's going to be your um your city's orders so we'll pause that one for a second but know that there are new cities so you've got two versions of hammer hall so you've got gyran and you have the akshi versions um you've still kept tempest eye still kept hollow heart still kept living city kept gray water fastness um lethus is um still around it was a expansion from um the original cities book so was settlers gain so was mist harven so was Excelsius. That was from the uh, Broken Realm series. But we do have a new one called Vindicarum. And we'll bring up all the rules as we go through here. So let's ignore that one for now. But the key rule, 
the key benefit is the Cities of Sigma orders. So, Bart, I might pass over to you. Tell me more about the orders and what it means to you as a human-focused player. So, yeah, the orders are really neat. So kind of how the mechanics work real quick, just to get into it, is you choose an order for every hero on the board. Some of them get two. Uh, you can't have more than three of the same, but they, they allow cool mechanics to allow you to interact. Uh, they're almost like trap cards, um, but you can kind of interact either in your turn or the opponent's turn. Um, what it allows you to do is, you know, one of the most common ones that you're going to see a lot is, is just plus three to move. So you pick a unit, it's within three inches of the hero. The hero goes, hey, run a little faster. So they get to actually move out and grab stuff. And then you just flip that one over and it kind of goes away. Now, all these things have to be set at the top of the turn. So they're going to last for both players' rounds. So it's kind of something to think about. It's like, okay, cool. If I'm going first, maybe I don't do all you know moves and charges. Maybe I want to keep a counter charge or keep a shoot back at them. You know, one of the other ones that, I, that actually interacts in the opponent's hero phase as opposed to my phase. So uh, there's some really cool options. So a couple of things here is first off, it happens at the start of the battle round. So when we are doing primal magic dice, when we're working out who goes first, who goes second, it's at that point in time that I get to issue these orders. The orders are put uh, facing down, so your opponent can't see what order you are putting on what unit. And as you see them in a second, they are revealed at certain times. The other key call out as well is that these are not command abilities so it's not going to affect the way to issue or receive commands throughout the game so just keep that one in mind um and it kind of ties into the theme that bart and i were talking about earlier which is going to be power pairs or power trios where you're going to have a hero that's going to want to issue one or two commands or two uh, orders to various units because the more heroes you have the more orders to issue so you're going to be thinking about that especially with the human elf or dwarden combinations Anything you'd, else you'd add, or do you want to get and kind of preview them? Yeah, let's go ahead and check them out, man. They're uh, they're actually really neat. They completely change how you play this book, so it's really cool. So here are our commands. I'm not. This is not story time with Coach. I'm not going to read them all, but at a very high level, there are two orders that are for everyone, regardless if you are a human, elf, or Dwarden. Then there are three specific to human keyword, uh, two specific to Dwarden keyword, two specific to elf keyword. So depending on how you're building will depend on what features you have. And to Bart's point a little earlier, you might see that you have a mixture of human and dwarden or elf and human or dwarden and elf like you might have it to to take advantage of different combinations yeah definitely um did you want me to go through them a little bit and kind of talk high level or yeah talk talk to me like how do you look at these orders um there's a lot of things here right you know from um from the the, the move to the return fire to the shield wall to the strike first like there's so many things here like oh how do you see, how do you see this, and which are the ones that you think you are either building into from a list construction, or even the ones that you think you'll use more often? Because some of these are situational. Counter charge, for example, is a situational one that you will use, but you've got to set it up, and you know certain rules and certain units are going to need to kind of form together. Yeah, um, it, basically, what I'm looking through, I'm, I'm trying to plan around both turns, so I I think it's almost one of the uh i almost really want to go second more than a, than normal um, but at the same time you also want to be heavy drop so you're kind of always in flux with that i mean you normally are with most books anyways but 
you know, with you, you get your extra movement, there's all kinds of cool little ways to, to work around that. And you can also just plan to move something out even further um, to get a battle tactic that they think you can't get to or get to a spot, you know, maybe pick up an objective. Uh, the counter charge one's so good. And like, it's just as long as you're within 12 inches, you can issue the charge. Um, it really brings a heavy case for going low on points and bringing the triumph so I can reroll that charge and get stuff in. Um, being able to shoot back at things is great. Again, you said, you know, everybody's a little worried about the bliss bar bar list sometimes being able to shoot back at that unit. Oh man, that's just, that's money right there. Right. <laughs> um, suppressing fire is great. Cause uh, you know, you can, you can get the battle tactic from it and we'll get into battle tactics in a bit, but uh, there's just so many cool little options and, and then engage the foe is, it's a little more situational for humans, but it, it lets your cavalry, your, your big units hit so much harder. And then going into dwarfs and elves, there's just, there's so many cool little things you can do and it's really deciding how you're going to place everything out. And, you know, it basically promotes running six heroes in almost every single city's list that you run because every hero is getting one of these orders, you know what I mean? So being able to get a ward save on a unit that's getting charged is, is fantastic. Um, and then dealing mortal wounds back to a unit, you know, as you're dying, it's, it's just free zombie stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> you're already running it. Uh, but yeah, I just think there's so many things. Like I said, I focused a lot of more on the human stuff, trying to build lists. Um, but uh, there's just so many cool ways that you can play into all these things and tinker around with your opponent and just kind of get ahead of them. I know you've been playing a few a few test games, and you know, like we can get into the weeds of this. Like you know, I look at engage the foe, and I'm like, right, how do I use this with my knights or my free guild guard? Or counter charge exactly the same, my knights and my free guild guard, or maybe my flagellants. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, something of return fire and suppress and fu suppress fire, uh, suppressive fire could be for like my my fusiliers or even my uh, what's the the ogre the um oh we didn't talk about that as well the um the ogre guy the fusilier. oh yeah like the the tower guy uh, fusilier marshal maybe uh on with with ogre with ogre yep that's what it was called yep on the ogre fusil major on ogre there you go. But like, you know, like we've got enough shooting to take advantage of. So when you're thinking of this construction, are you thinking about having a little bit of shooting to make sure that you tap into return fire and suppressive fire? Are you thinking about having something that can counter charge or engage foe? Like how does this all meld into your head when it comes to list construction and tactics? So really when I'm building, like my first thing is I look at the math on stuff and just look at basic stats, right? Like just the super basic stuff um but then i go okay what can give me battle tactics and suppressing fire killing a unit that's being suppressed is a battle tactic so it kind of makes you want to bring some fuselers maybe a 20 block to shoot into some sort of screen okay now they're suppressed and i'll finish them off with a cavalry unit you know what i mean easy battle tactics especially with how hard battle tactics are right now you guys should all be building not just cities list but all your list around trying to make sure that you can pick up five battle tactics and i think cities plays really well into the battle tactics in grand strat game um, and the orders just kind of add on to that. You know what I mean? Like they're almost just like the sprinkles on top. The whole army plays well together. And then the orders kind of just give you that little extra oomph to get through whatever you need to. Um, and like to, to, to that as well, we talked a little bit about why you might want to have a combination army. If you were going to build into the Fusiliers, for example, maybe you want to take a unit of Duarden to form the shield wall to get the um, the five up ward so you can protect that investment of yours um, because like those you know, iron jaws or whatever, you know, combat focus corn is going to want to lift those as quick as possible. But if you can protect them, tie them up, um, especially with the five up ward, 
you are going to get more out of your Fusilis, for example. But, oh, yeah. Uh, is there any other units? That, and by the way, like um, because of Cities All, your Dreadlord could be taking advantage of counter charge. You could be doing advanced formation with your um, – what's the – so what's the dark of crossbows? Um, I mean, there's, there's oh, so many. Things. Yeah, uh, yeah, everything. And then, I mean, another one that's hilarious is like, you know, we were talking about how the Fusiliers uh, want to set spot. You can give them advanced formation and then give them the uh, engage the foe uh, at the start of the charge phase, right? Or is it not engage the foe? Excuse me. Um, but there's one that lets them sit down. Sit down? Maybe not. Oh, yeah. No, it's advanced the formation. Sorry. Yeah, so they get their their fortified position as well. So you're just getting to move up and get your fortified position right out the bat. You know, where you're kind of getting rid of that limitation of okay, if I move, my range gets cut down to twelve inches. Yeah, there's some there's some really interesting combinations when you look at let's say you know the strike first on an elf unit. Um, you've got the the three inch movement, and that could either improve your melee focus, whether it's your knights or your flagellants. It could be obviously your elf or dwarden. Like dwarden uh, are pretty slow, right? So that gets your hammerers, it gets your um, your various dwarves into combat a little quicker, or it makes your knights and your cavalry move a little faster. There's a lot of little combinations you can start to break when you start thinking about what am I thinking about uh, in my list and who can benefit the most. Uh, I think to your point as well, what's the battle tactics that I want to score? It's a great call. Um, you know, if you're if you're running elves, like do you want to tap into return fire or suppressive fire? It is situational as well. For example, if you're playing a melee focused opponent, they're not going to be shooting at you very often, so you're not going to have much of a chance to return fire. Just some considerations. Yeah, and what's great is you don't have to choose the list building. You choose it every single time. So if they don't have any shooting, I don't need suppressive fire. I'll throw something else on them, you know? Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the point that I wanted to make here, and I think we're both making, is like don't build a list around like making the most of suppressive fire because you'll find situations where you don't get to tap into it. But there are so many good uses against so many different units that um, it just enhances what you do. And it's not a command point, but it also you want to have a uh, some heroes to make sure you get to tap into it. Mm-hmm. Speaking of heroes, we have our humans. So uh, being the human-focused discussion, I want to hear a little bit more about your thoughts around the human uh, command traits and artifacts, and we'll do some rapid-fire stuff with the other races. But who's a good general, and what's the general command trait you th- you're thinking about? Um, honestly, I love Grizzled Veteran. Oh, excuse me. Just because uh, not being able to be wounded except for four plus is fantastic. There's so many things that want to wound you on it too. Um, if you want to go for the the foot hero that's giving you the all out attack and the plus one to wound, you got thirty fusiliers. Master ballistics is great. Um, and I also even like fiery temper. I think that's a cool little option. Put it on like a, a free heal general and Griffin. You know what I mean? He gets in there and then everything else is getting to charge. I mean, you can move cavalry units thirteen inches up the bat. You know, and you get a lot of great little charges. Uh, right off the bat, and even the priest options are a really good option. Um, I don't think you'll see it as often as some of the other ones, but there's some really cool ways to just throw another priest in your unit. Most most armies don't have ways to get rid of the fire slayers, endless prayers, and hey, maybe that's your option, you know. Um, and then the artifacts, the kind of the one that stuck out to me that it's just like the immediate like, all right, let's try this is the warhammer, and maybe that's why my uh, my general on Griffin was hitting so hard, but. When he charges and he's at plus two rent and plus two damage, 
He's he's not too bad. Yeah, I mean, he's like four attacks. You know, if you're all out attacking, it's twos, threes, Ren, three damage, four. You're like, all right, he's going to do some damage, you know, and then he's got the Griffin, the Claws attacks, and the, the Beak attacks. It's not bad. Um, I also like the Grimoire. You know, there's a lot of wizards out there, and being able to drop a, a D3 off of all the casting is, is pretty nice. Um, and you got to get the, ma- the macroscope, right? If you're running a uh, gun line, uh, Fusilier-focused army, the macroscope as well, getting the extra three-inch range characteristic really does allow you to do some cool things. Yeah, and, you know, it's, again, I, it's like we talked about earlier. I was kind of disappointed. You know, you've got the guy on the on top of the ogre, and then you've got this ability. You're adding all these cool ranges, you know, might might get rid of your ability to, or might allow you to move a little more often. But it's like half the time they just you just give them the move order and they just sit back down. I think it was kind of a miss by them giving that move order. I think it should have been something that was more punishing and then maybe made the unit a little more more damaging. But hey, if I'm moving up, I've got to take that risk of hey, this is the first turn. I'm not going to get the same damage output as everyone else. You know, so I, I think that was kind of a miss, but it's okay. Can't get everything yeah. right. <laughs> I think what's cool is that there's options, right? So if I want to run, let's say, a knight-focused army, I'm running my Cavaliers, uh, I could put Fiery Temper on a Free Guild Marshal on Griffin or the Free Guild Marshal on Horse, whatever the generic one is called. Um, have Marshal Cavalier. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll always be Free Guild General on Horse in my heart. <laughs> uh, if you're running a shooting-focused army, you do Master of Ballistics. Um Grizzle the veteran is just going to be great regardless. And I know Bart and I were talking offline. Um, one of the ideas that I was playing around with is Divine Champion. Put that on a Huracanum or a Luminarch. Um, could be a great way to get Curse off because you'll have something a bit more durable that'll be close to the, ni- the, the nine inch for the Curse. Um, that prayer is decent. And as you said, be able to pull down Fire Slayers, uh, Daughters of Cain Heart, the Heart of Fury. Um, and deal with anything that comes in in corns, priests like stop blood boil or whatever. Um, yeah. not, sorry, the hex gorgeous skull. Sorry, hex gorgeous skulls. You want to? Yeah, or the wrath axe. Bloody bloody corn. Although that, but, I like, think that's a six. Never mind. Ignore me. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's the hex gorgeous like you want to get rid of. But re- regardless, however you want to build, there's something kind of for your your build style, which then kind of leads into right. Well, if I want to have something a bit more melee focused, you're right. The sigma the sigma right hammer. You have um, the glimmering is is not bad defensively, as you said. The uh, the grimgore is a is a great tool. Macroscope, um, brazier of holy flames. I, I don't know if I want to rely on that, but it might be a way to get around inspiring presence if you have multiple. You need to issue. It could that- be cool in conjunction with the command core because I think it's technically two rolls, right? So mm. if 10 guys run, you roll 10 dice. Okay, five guys run. Okay, now only two guys run. I mean, it's not bad if you're running a bunch of infantry-heavy units. Because um, And I'm not 100% sure on that rules interactions, but there's I haven't seen any reason why they wouldn't overlap. Yeah, good call. Good call. Um, and, and, and that's the kind of interesting thing is, like, we can now unpack this. Uh, you're talking about uh the tune of the the corpses somni um you can use his command ability while uh in the battleshock phase each time a model would flee from a city's uh with cities of sigma human unit while it's within wholly within 12 inches of this unit roll a dice on a four plus that model doesn't flee uh the same unit cannot be affected by same ability more than once so um 
they're different names, right? So technically they'd be able to work. It is a small bubble because they're both 12 inches, but hey. Does it allow you a double bite at the apple? Maybe. Could it be FAQ'd? Possibly. <laughs> but right now, rules is written. It is a double shot to have a bite at the apple to stop him, in, in, uh, you know, battle shock fleeing. But um, it is a short bubble within 12 inches. So yeah, you're hugging those troops. But anything else you'd add on the human enhancements? No, man. I think, like you said, you hit the nail on the head. There's some great options. And I think you're going to see a lot of different options. It's not going to be like one army where you take the exact same thing every single time. All right. Rapid fire through the Dwarden. Um, is there a command trait and an artifact that kind of stands out to you? Um, yeah, I love the fight last stuff. I think it's hilarious. The fight first, fight last. The Of Mighty Lineage, you can get him to fight first. And then you got like a, a Ruth. Uh, the guy that stands on stone, Grudge Bear, um, he gets to fight first if there's a hero nearby, and then he triggers his unit to fight first. And then the, if you can take the artifact, you can on a four up something fights last. You can do some really cool things, or maybe even ally in a tree from Living Cities. And now there's two chances that fight last for the other guys. And that way you can just mollywop them every time they come into you. Yeah, I do like that. And, and you know what? If you need another priest, you could always go Master of Ancient Law, for example, make your Warden King a, a priest if you feel like we're in a priest meta. Okay, cool. Some. <laughs> cool. Why not? You do you. What are artifacts? It's surely the Book of Grudges, right? Like just from the name alone. Oh, yeah. It's it's pretty cool. Don't get me wrong. I, I think it's a really neat little trick to just kind of add you a little extra stuff going. You know, um, this one hits not amazing, but it, it's fine, right? And then... Uh, like I said, the gauntlets, I think, is a really cool thing. Like, getting that extra fight last on stuff, especially with your being able to countercharge and really mess with them. You could get three dwarf units in on the flanks. You know, if someone charges you in the front, charge both units in the flank, and you're like, hey, dude, that the unit of Erengar fights last. I'm going to smack you with 400 dwarves, and we'll see who's standing after that. Then you can do your fight twice. <laughs> the pro wrestler in me loves the pile driver there. Like, I just... Gargans doing suplexes, mm -hmm. uh, dwarves doing pile drivers. I, I think they've got some uh, wrestling fans over at Games Workshop. What about the elves? Uh, the elves, uh, I love the Unparalleled Duelist. I think it's the anti-zombie tech we've all been asking for. Just run that Dreadlord straight into the, the zombies and stand there and watch them kill themselves. It's the funniest thing in the world. Um, so every time they miss you, they take a mortal wound. And you can charge with something else. The zombies, you know, you pick up the other unit, then the zombies have to trigger into you, and they don't explode because they killed themselves. <laughs> it's kind of a great little tech piece. Uh, I think we'll see it pretty commonly because zombies are tough for a lot of people to deal with. So it's a, it's a cool little thing. And then uh, as far as artifacts go, uh, I do love the extra range. I think that's a great option for spellcasting. The uh, Anklet of Epiphany. Um, and I also do like the Venom, the Venom Bank Blade. Uh, it's not bad. A little extra D3 mortals going through. You know, you can throw Venom Bank Blade and the Duelist together on a Black Dragon. And, you know, he, he's not bad. He can go into the flank. He's not really got that big of a base. So you can put him in some awkward spots, too. Um, it's pretty interesting. I was thinking about the Venom Blade on an Assassin. Yeah. Like, just yeah. pop that little bad boy out. Stabby, stabby. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, like, basically the old trick... Uh, you know, they used to give them the, I can't remember which sub-faction it was, but they gave them the the blade that just did all the work. Oh, man, what's the name of that thing? Yeah, I, I, I'm, 
I think it was like one of the light cities or something. It was just an artifact that he got to do a bunch of D3 mortals on sixes. Sort of, stuff. sort of judgment was like the, 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 That's sort what of it game. Was. yeah, yeah. Sort of judgment was just like, meh. um, <laughs> but like, like, but the cool thing, like with the assassin is it's got six attacks, right? Threes and threes, ren one for one. It pops out, um, from an elf unit. Uh, they pop out, uh, strike first. While this unit's within three inches, oh, does it still pop out? Um, it, they might they, pop out. They might have lost their drop out. They, I remember looking at something weird about them. Oh, that's 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 that's, that's changed because it used to pop out of a unit at the start of combat, but now while it's within three inches of an elf unit, um, it's not visible to an enemy outside of twelve. It does yeah. um, D3 mortal wounds on sixes, and it has strike first. So actually. No, I ain't doing that. Because I was thinking, like, run an elf unit, pop the assassin out, stabby stabby with a venom blade. Yeah, no, nah, that's not happening. Let's no, let's just re good. rewind the tapes. I ain't taking that assassin. <laughs> not happening. Yeah, the poor assassins got hit pretty hard. Poor old assassin. Here I am using my Mordheim assassin still from uh, the free white dwarf that I got back in like the nineties. Mm -hmm. But you talk spells, and um, probably the one change we want to talk about here is the Battle Mage has lost its spell law. So before, you used to look at the War Scroll, and depending on the Battle Mage you took, it had a spell. Now, a lot of those have been transferred over, so you might recognize Fireball, Mystifying Miasma, Pale of Doom, Fierce Protection, Transmutation of Lead, uh, Wild Form. They've all kind of been brought over, but they are some different rules, and Wild Form especially is a very different rule to what it used to be. So, Bart, you talked earlier about having four spells. You said something like that, where there's ones that you really want to get off. Which is the ones that are kind of drawing to you first? Yeah, so the ones that really stand out here is uh, Foss Protection. Uh, ignoring modifiers is just fantastic. You know, you throw a, a unit out there with a four-up save, and they're, I don't care if you're run three or run four coming at me. I'm still on a four-up save, you know. Just getting that ethereal is really, really solid. And I think that's going to be a really, really high level pick. I think you're going to see that very commonly. Uh, sir, sir, can I, can I make a suggestion? Mm -hmm. Drake Spawn Knights. Three, <laughs> yeah, up, I... three up save, 10 wound idiots, unrendable, way to cause your opponent nightmares. Steam tank, wait. Oh. <laughs> 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 a steam tank in there. Good luck. Have fun. That, that's sweet. That's really cool. That used to be like minus one to hit uh, the old spell. That is a massive glow up. Yeah, 100%. Um, the other one I really like is Pale of Doom. Or, yeah, Pale of Doom. Uh, I think it's really good, especially if you're running a lot of guys that are shooting. Um, being able to turn off command points uh, until the start of the next hero phase is really good. And even if Geminids gets nerfed into the ground, you have this option as well to kind of to basically turn things off. And what's really neat is it... It not only stops the all-out defense, it stops, it stops the inspiring presence as well. So you kind of get a lot of value out of it. Yeah, that's that's cool. So you could like double down with having Geminids and, although it's a little different, you could Geminids and Pale of Doom, mm -hmm. or you could um, save the points and just go Pale of Doom. That's that's sweet. Especially right now where a lot of people are taking um, like Command Entourage or Warlord to get an extra spell as opposed to an extra artifact. Yeah, and then the third one that's kind of okay is Wild Form. 3d6 charge is pretty solid, um, but I, I kind of see myself as a moving castle. So overextending like that, I don't know if I'm really going to want to use that as a technique. You know what I mean? You're, when you send a, uh, one of your pieces out that far, I mean, because you're really going to send it, it's probably, what, 10 inches realistically that you're trying to get out there. 
Um, now he's not in the bubble of five up wards, plus one to save, all that stuff, especially for humans, because I think it's human only for wild form. Yeah. So you yeah. kind of you kind of lose a little bit of the maneuverability or the, the bonuses from it, should I say. Five ball's a bit of a horde clearer as well. Like you talked about this is a zombie tech, and that's obviously not the only right gits, for example, those 36 blogger squigs, you're at 36 dice um doing mortals on sixes. So that's not bad. No, and they've got poor know. bravery. They can't they can't take um inspiring presence. So it's a lot of dead squigs. Oh yeah. Yeah, and like like I said, the the, the lore's fine. Um and I mean if you're going heavy drops, you know, you can grab a couple different things and kind of cast the spells that you need to get you through the game. You know what I mean? You can I all right, this one's good against elite units and this one's good against hordes, you know. Twin tailed comet doesn't stand out to me. That feels like the old you know what? I'm actually not a big fan of twin tailed comets in general. Um, yeah, I think you're gonna get get your ten bravery from Hammer Hall if you really want it. So there's no of, reason to take the spell. Yeah, and Raid of Jade, I'm it's okay. Like on a five plus, like uh, it needs to be on like a four or even a three. Um, the only thing it's worth on is the the Griffin. And even only if he's like down to two wounds and how often do you have a Griffin running around with two wounds remaining on it, you know? So I, I just don't think, I think it's going to fall short. It needs to be like a four or a three plus for even to think about shaking it. You know what I mean? And that way it's like, okay, cool. If it's a four plus and my hero's really low, I got a chance to bring him back. You just reminded me another change for guild people is that we lost the uh, mount trait that allowed us to come back on a two plus with a couple of wounds left. So your Griffin isn't as durable as it used to be. You can't be as kamikaze and then it comes back on two up and you're like, heal it up. And um, like, you know, you bring uh, Tempest die and and living city had a heal spell. You can't do that anymore. So I was just thinking about pale. I was just thinking about ethereal on that two plus steam tank commander. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and a, a really funny thing that I noticed looking through this book is the griffins for the battle mage and the hero are different griffins. They have a slightly different attack profile. It's, it used to be like that before. The, yeah. the the wizard griffin is a little bit lesser than the... It's like one damage less. It's like, it's the one that flies a little better, but it doesn't fight as good. <laughs> no. I'll, I'll, um, it used to have a really cool... I used to use it as the aura of glory to get the, the, the boosts, but no, nah, that's gone. Oh, uh, we will adapt. Um, what about the what about the other ones? So you've got the prayer lord. If you want to get a uh, priest into your army, you could def- absolutely get yourself a rune lord. Um, if you want to go into the dark elf, you've got the sorceress on dragon and the sorceress on foot. Do any of these kind of stand out to you? Like I would consider bringing one or both into my list. Um, yeah, the wizard for elves. That's kind of my my mind immediately goes to this. I pick up a sorceress. I take the Tenebral Blades, however you say that, and I go, hey, you don't get an armor save anymore. So Catacros and the OVR that are just stacking saves, I've got, you know, 10 Executioners here, or 10 Drake Spawn Knights that just pick up a whole unit of OVR. You're like, wow, fantastic. So basically the way it works is you pick a unit, and that unit, for all their attacks, you don't get armor saves against them. Now, that being said, they can still all out defense, um but most of the good most of the good units to put this on already have red one anyways so mm-hmm. it just cancels the all-out defense at that point in time so you're you're basically you're just chewing through anything it's insane how much damage you put out if you can actually get the thinnable blades and i think 
that what we were talking about earlier with the GHB is what helps you get the spell off. And then they just go off into stuff. It is short range though at range nine. So are you thinking about this on a sorceress on dragon or are you thinking about umble spell portal to kind of increase the range or are you just going to suicide run this sorceress in, into nine and just. No, no, no. It targets the elf unit. Oh, it's the elf unit. Sorry, yeah, thinking, so you don't I'm, even have to I'm, move I'm, away. I'm yeah, thinking it's insane. I'm thinking of the old Anvil Guard Harkiron mm -hmm. where you used to put it on and then your gyro, gyrocopters would just like blast this into oblivion. Now, now you just put it on your, your brick. And I really like it in Misthaven because, you know, you put it on something, maybe it's cavalry, we'll say, move it 2d6, and then it runs off and goes charge and just, just picks things up. It, I mean, you're talking about like you can take a 170-point unit and it'll pick up Kragnos. Who, who would you put it on in an elf? The best bet is Executioners, but uh, Drake's Bond Knights are also fantastic options. They're 140 points for five of them. And being able to just have that point where it's like, uh, it might not just insta-kill a unit, but it's probably going to do around 20 damage to a unit. And who can just sit there and just take 20 damage? A lot of the problematic units that people are like, oh, I just don't know how to get through, are things that really heavy high, like they just save stack off, off the, you know, like crazy. And this just stops it. And what's cool as well is the sorcerer can sorceress can still stabby stabby a unit of like dread spears to get the plus two to cast. Um, which plus two to cast that makes it a five or makes it a much harder to unbind. And does your opponent want to use one of their primal magic dice to remove that particular spell when you might have merciless blizzard, hoarfrost, or other potent spells? It's a tough tough choice. Oh yeah, uh, I think like I said, I think the magic's fantastic here. Um, but yeah, dump it, jumping into dwarves, uh, you know, I was looking at these earlier and nothing really like, they're all like solid, um, if I remember properly, because it's what, plus one to hit for weapons, but again, these are prayers and I, I just hate how unlucky prayers feel sometimes, you know, you're still just re-rolling a three. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you still can do curse and you can still do other things, um, I, I guess if you're going to go into it, I'm probably going the Rune of Wrath and Rune for the five up. The enemy yeah. takes a mortal wound, and then if it suffers three mortal wounds, uh, yada, yada, yada. Like, you could ignore positive and positive modifiers to save rolls. I think that's interesting, but you're obviously building into um, that. You can't just take an independent priest and then just, like, go be free. You've got to build around it. Yeah. And, I mean, they, I think the odds on it are kind of low, so it was like, eh. It's like one of those things you might, like you said, you might just take three units of dwarves to get the battle tactic to have them all fight together at some point in time. And you're just kind of fishing and waiting for this thing to go off. And then, okay, cool. Now I can strike. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious to have this conversation with a dwarf person. Because once you start building around dwarves, like all of this starts to get unlocked and you're like, okay, there's some really cool things. But for a human focused force, it's like, eh, eh. But I tell you what we did talk about that I really like is sap sap strength, mm -hmm. um, because we did lose the frost heart phoenix. Being able to subtract one to wound rolls for an enemy within eighteen on a casting value of six, I'm like okay, like we lost the frost phoenix, but that's actually not too bad. Usually, it's only one or two units I want to kind of hit with the minus one anyway, so yeah. it's not bad. No, I think it's pretty solid. I mean, and you know, going back to the 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 elf. Uh, lore as well. I mean, Umbral Hex is hilarious because you can also just bring a Charybdis where they don't get to ignore Battle Shock. Now they're throwing two d six dice at a Battle Shock that they can't ignore. It's not. It's not terrible. <laughs> they're so annoying. Those Charybdis and and uh, 
The yeah, imagine dragon. killing one dragon and then they're like, oh no, I've got to roll 2d6 at a dragon now. My, you know, plus one. Oh crap, I just picked up all the whole unit of dragons because they shot one off a of board. That's it. So annoying. Yeah. <laughs> so annoying. A- anything on, on spells? Or we, I think we're kind of cool. Like there's a lot of great options. I don't think there's too many auto includes. Definitely the human side, there's a, there's a lot of good spells. Three maybe kind of like I'd be thinking about um obviously it's competing with Hawfrost, rupture and um and blizzard right now as well so unless you are going like i said warlord or command entourage um you have some tough choices to make yep i agree i think uh i think you'll probably stay with those but i i, I think it's an actual competitive lore and we'll, it'll be good in the next ghb as well which will, i mean that's what you want to see is longevity out of a book so yeah, there's a lot of great spells, and even when we lose Hawfrost and Blizzard, you're going to still have a good spell uh, spell law. So um, then there, and, and you know what? They're also not that hard to cast. So it was there wasn't really any nines, a couple of eights here and there, but a lot of them were sixes and sevens, which um is, is quite fair for us. Yeah, definitely. We do have sub factions. There are eleven of them. So here is six of the eleven, and we'll go to the second page with the others. So um, Hammerhall. There's two versions of Hammerhall, as I mentioned. Um, there is the Gairan version, and there's the Akshi version. The Living City, Grey Water, Fastness, Hallow Heart, and Tempest Eye. Of the six here currently on screen, as a human player, which are the ones that kind of stand out to you, and why? Um, so every, I think a lot of people when they first opened this book got really excited about Grey Water, Fastness because you. Get- all at attack three times um the more i looked at it i think it's too much of an investment i I think it's just not going to happen as often um but i think it's still a cool thing i think you know if they bring the points counts down on cannons i'm all about it man which is all out attack some cannons maybe one unit of fusiliers um what what what, what, i'll pause you though what about what about if it was the um one or two units of fusiliers plus your um ogre wall hulk would you see like, you know, having two Warhawks plus a Fusilier's unit, is that a decent investment? Um, I think it's pretty expensive. I don't think you get enough out of it. I think you have to rely on the units to do all your damage to begin with. Um, and it's just, it's hard putting that much points into it because those are heroes, right? Uh, yeah, they're leaders. So your Fusilier um, Major on Warhawk is 150. So if you took two of them, you're at 300. If you then go the Fusiliers, they are 150 points. So you reinforce that extra, that's 300. Double reinforce it because one of your units is a free uh, Steel Helm. That's now 450. So you're looking at almost 1,000 points or not far off 1,000 points to get, like, is that worth the investment and how are you protecting all of that shooting? Yeah, exactly. And I think that what you'll end up doing is if you do take gray water, you'll probably just take a 30 block and two tens. You know what I mean? And, or something along those lines. Maybe it's 30 and two cannons if cannons get cheap. That way you get your plus one to hit and wound for your 30 block, and then you're running the two cannons to get you the extra stuff as well. And I think I think just having that hero, the same points cost as 10 fusiliers, I just always take 10 fusiliers, you know? Yeah, it, it's hard when you look at the two profiles at the same points value, but if, if the fusiliers go up, which is not you know if you look at again the their competitor which is bow snakes you look at you know uh, oh I suppose sentinels went down a little bit you could see a world where they're 160 170 potentially yeah yeah, yeah i agree um like i said it's just uh, to me it just doesn't hit the mark 
exactly you know what i mean but again with points changes you can unlock all kinds of different things and folks and folks i'm saying this not to like you know ruin your ideas it's more like i don't want you to go and buy all the fusiliers and then you're disappointed because you got 60 and they've now gone up and you can't run a competitive list so um do tread carefully in the water or go buy a wall and i'll go buy them off you secondhand at half price when you put them up on the buy and sell I'm, yeah. I'm cool i'm cool either way and get you a big old bucket of dice if you're running 60 because you'll be rolling for days <laughs> so great water's fastest great for shooting builds uh mm -hmm. and obviously issuing all our attack three times um in shooting phase pretty obvious the benefit there yeah, um, and then me as a big Halloheart player, I've been playing a ton of Halloheart. The first thing I did when I opened this book was look at Halloheart, and I actually like the way they did this. I was sad that you lose your extra cast, but it is what it is. That lore is too good. If you get two casts, I mean, it'd be a little disgusting. Um, I like that if you get a 3-6 roll, and you know if you're above a 10, so if you get the spell off on a high value, there's a cost to it. I, think I don't like that. that. You don't? I don't I don't like I, I thought that was too heavy. Like if you look at the the equivalent on Slaves to Darkness, which is Cabalist, they don't take a penalty by casting on a I, I know what they're trying to do here. So in the old Hello Heart rules, you get um one of your heroes to take D3 damage or D6 damage, I think it was, and it would give you a boost to everyone's casting. I just think the penalty, if you're running a whole bunch of let's say battle mages. Like I can't afford to go D three mortal wounds on those those idiots. Yeah, but I don't think it's as bad as you think it is now because we do have the command core, so they're going to heal up three wounds off of three different units every single time. And if you don't have damaged units, you're just healing your heroes back up. So what you're saying basically is, if you're going to do Hallow Heart, <laughs> that 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 command corp has to come. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, because if not, you're just going to end up killing your heroes by accident. Yeah, yeah. And like, I'm not taking a Luminarch to try to protect it. I think, um, you know, having Hurricanums is going to be too expensive. So you're going to have to have some smalls. And I love the idea for three dice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I, I I just look at the D3 and it makes me nervous. No, I get it. Yeah, 100%. Um, but the new hero, that's only 90 points is six wounds. So, you know, the odds of him dying on two, isn't too bad. <laughs> yeah. I think you've got to have the gobba palooza, AKA the, the corp to, um, to, to protect them. Yeah. Um, jumping into some of the old, old goodies, the Tempest eye, I, I think Tempest eye kind of fell short. Uh, you can only bring, you know, 400 points of KO now. That's technically the way that it works. Cause yep. you know, they, they really got away from barring power out of other books. Um, and so your 400 points can retreat and shoot. Okay. You know, it's not, it's not super amazing. Uh, I couldn't even think of anything to ally, to be honest. What's interesting actually, because like I used to run Tempest Eye a lot, but I would run a lot of Pistoles and I'd run a lot of Outriders and they don't have that. So who do I want to retreat and shoot? I don't know. Outside yeah. of, outside of KO, like inside my book, I mean, maybe the few slayers if you somehow get them stuck in by accident. I don't know. Yeah. It's like it's like walking into a dark alley and like I'm surrounded by a whole bunch of of you know villains. Um, what's the best martial arts to defend myself against villains? Well, don't go down the dark alleyway to begin with. I feel like building a whole strategy around getting out of combat. Let's just not get there. Yeah. Uh, you know what would actually be not terrible, and again, like you're saying, let's just not get there, is uh, the elves on the chariots. Okay, maybe I do want to retreat and shoot those guys so they can stop tagging me. You know? I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm Throwing struggling. something out there. Because they're, they're not a bad shooting profile, so if they're allowed to just retreat and shoot over and over again, it's not terrible. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm struggling on this one. Maybe chat, you tell me in the comment section if you see some connections, but I'm certainly struggling on why I would pick this sub-faction out of the 10 others. Um, Living City, I think, is sweet. Uh, and by the way, yes, to your point, um, KO is no longer coalition, so you can't go above your 400 allies. Um, Living City, again, Sylvaneth can't go over as well. Um, what, are, what are your thoughts on Living City and the two Hammer Halls? Um, Living City is all right. Uh, I think it's just, again, being, you can't borrow as much power as previously, so I think it takes that hit as well. So I don't think that's going to be another one we see very often. But I do think the Hammer Hall Gyron is going to be one that we're going to see pretty often. Um, that extra, you can include one additional city's Sigmar reinforced unit in your army, which means that can be a double reinforced unit. Um, so you can end up with, you know, three units of 30 steel homes if you want. And and two, you know, a couple units of command corps just standing behind him, healing him up. And your priest standing there that goes, okay, cool, everyone gets a five of board. And then your wizard that goes, I'm going to give everyone plus one to their armor save as well. And it's pretty hard to move that off an objective at that point in time, especially when they're very retent. Yeah, I, I, I don't mind that. Um, the other version of Hammer Hall has always gotten me kind of curious because I've always wanted to run the Magister of Hammer Hall because I've got this idea of converting a Balthazar Gelt with the the glowing the gold mask uh, as my my um my magister but i've never been impressed with the war scroll and the war scroll doesn't really benefit me very much in cities mm -hmm. so assuming that it doesn't get upgraded and who knows if, if there will be an update to stormcast or when that happens but the two orders instead of one is an interesting piece where where um i don't mind that no i think it's good i think it'll help you kind of play around some different things and i think you know, Hammer Hall, both of these Hammer Halls will play very similarly. Um, obviously, the the, the Garana one's going to be a little more uh, infantry heavy, but, you know, I think the way that his pulse works, that Adventist Firestrike pulse, is he gives plus one to hit for cities units as well. So there could be a world where, you know, he moves and he's giving everybody plus one to hit when his pulse goes out. Um, and then maybe that's enough to push something over. I'm sure someone will come up with some cool techie thing that really pushes the envelope somehow i just I, because he's not coalition anymore my problem is is that um some of the other benefits of stormcast very specific so you're paying a tax to revive models and if i can't bring a magister and a stormcast unit to kind of benefit from that i am paying a lot for the magister war scroll in this that's my that's my gripe yeah no i get it yeah i think you're really just taking them for the through the extra cast and then the plus one to cast and i think that's it yeah, it's competing with the battle mage on Griffin for that kind of magic wizard, and the Griffin's going to do more damage probably. Mm -hmm. I'd have to sit down and do the maths, but I feel like I've just been not impressed. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I, but I want it to work. I do truly oh, yeah. want it to work. Trust me, like I, I've tried. Um, the other ones, you've got some interesting ones. You've got Lethus, Excelsius, Mist Harvin, Settler's Gain, and Vindicarum. Um, where are you at? And I've, like this, I said already, this, like my Vindicar is my favorite city of all time. Yeah, it's really neat. I feel like this is like the spicy page over here. <laughs> um, so you've got Lethus, you know, being able to stop all the Lord saves is pretty neat, especially also turning all your heroes into priests. Uh, it's pretty neat. There's some cool stuff you can do. That means you're getting heals and curses and stuff that are just annoying, basically. You know what I mean? Um, and then... But is there, is there a Stormcast priest that you'd want to bring in? Because... Yeah, the number one Stormcast Priest is the Lord Relictor, but the Lord Relictor can't translocate in Cities of Sigma. So is it worth taking the, the Mortar's Embrace and... 
All right, here's my spice for you. You know how everybody, all right, there's so many models coming back on the board. I think the Lord Exorcist is a priest. Maybe you just bring a couple of those guys and they just stop things from being brought back within nine. Okay. You know what I mean? Just uh, basically stops Soul Blight from being able to bring models back, stops zombies from being able to add to their units, uh, stops OBR from adding more and more to Scarred as long as you're close enough. I mean, there's there's definitely some cool stuff there. I'm going to break your heart. No, no, I didn't do it's it. A wi- it's a wizard, not a priest. Ah, I thought he was. I thought he was. All right. I think I think only the relict- the, the, the Knight Relictor and the Lord Relictor are the only Stormcast priests. And I don't think that their War Scroll is strong enough to want me to invest the 120, 145 points. Yeah. It's a cool trick. Especially if we can get an auto dispel for another hero. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. yeah, I think I'm. I'm thinking I'm on the same page that if you can't do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, if we go to Excelsius, that's one of my favorites. I just I love Excelsius. You get extra wound on your monsters. All the cavalry are doing mortal wounds as well because they don't have a ton of ren. They're like ren one and two. Um, if you counter charge them, great. They're ren three. Okay, now we're talking. But then being able to roll a bunch of dice at the end of the turn and do some extra mortal wounds, a ten man unit does an extra five mortal wounds, and you know. How do you normally beat cavalry like that? You normally pen them in. This gives you consistent a clock, basically. This is like better Nurgle. You're just going to keep doing damage, and they have a three up save. Kind of taps into the uh, the Black Knights in Soulblight a little bit, where they charge and they do a bunch of mortal wounds. It's just your your sequence is a little different. Um, one thing I'm curious to hear from you, being uh, a fellow Hallowheart man, uh, and I'm a Hallowharder, is um, Settlers Gain. Now it's another wizard faction, so. Um, if you were building a wizard faction, which one do you like better, Settler's Gain, or are you building um, Hallowheart? Um, probably, probably Settler's Gain, but not a hundred percent on that. I I think Hallowheart will be better once we leave this GHB. I think when we get out of this GHB, I'd rather take the extra three D six cast. That way, I don't primal miscast because as of right now, it's just easier to get the plus one to cast and just say, all right, cool, I'm not going to primal, and I'll throw a couple primal dice at it. But when you're throwing 3d6, the odds of you hitting a one and then trying to throw a primal on top of that, it's a lot more likely you're going to blow yourself up. Mm. Um, so I think it'll, I think right now Settlers is better, but I think eventually Hallowheart will take the game. It's interesting, like I'm looking at the Settlers gain as well, and it obviously allows you to bring Lumineth into the fold. And, um, you know, the Law Seeker is a great little piece, but that won't synergize very well because you won't be within three inches of a friendly Lumineth. I'm struggling like which Lumineth hero I'd want in my city's army. And because it's coalition, I can't even take Teclas or anything. So it'd have to be someone within 400 points. I don't know which hero I'd want that would benefit. I can't me. remember his, yeah, I was going to say, I can't remember his name right now, but he's got the autocast on a nine once per game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's not bad. Uh, he also like counts as 10. I think you can not set him up. He's the lore seeker if I remember properly. He's a pretty good little tech beast. You can just drop him down, counts as 10 on an objective, and he gets one thing out. Maybe Geminids, throw Geminids through the enemy army and just start pewing away, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, obviously, the plus one to cast is nice, especially if you have um, – and this is one of the things that I found in my Gits list lately is I'm running list, a list with, like, five wizards, and uh, what it allows me to do, if I get consistency across the board, there's only so many primal dice. They can go for the the whole frost or the the merciless blizzard, and by getting consistency with the rest of my spells, I get off lots of spells. 
And sure, like I put my primals into one spell, but I, I find that I get most of my spells off. So um, I probably tend to like the plus one to cast more than the 3d6. Just the, I get nervous with the, the 10 plus. Yeah, I, I get I get what you're saying. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I think uh, the one thing, though, that we're kind of forgetting is, you know, uh, even though Settler's Gain used to be the Lumineth faction, you can still just put Lumineth in any of these factions. Same thing with KO, because it's no longer limited to one and four. You just get your normal allied abilities. Yeah, yeah. Well, the allies used to be in addition to your coalition, but you're right. You can do Daughters of Cain, Fire Slayers, IDK, KO, Lumineth, Stormcast, Sylvaneth. So really, the only one you can't ally in is um, is uh, Seraphon. Seraphon's the only one. Yeah, I don't know why, but I'm sure there's reasons in the lore I, somewhere. I think only Stormcast are the ones who are able to ally with... Um, and uh, and because back in the day, I remember first edition, I'd have four Hellstorm rocket batteries with a little um, Slant Star, no, Skink Star Master, given a bunch of re-rolls to like these four Hellstorm rocket batteries. So uh, p- paying for the sins of the past. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, and then Miss I Tarvin. love Miss David. Yeah, Dude, it's fantastic. Uh, just being able to move and reposition stuff is just so good. Um, I also really like it with like, the Calvary Splash because you could just Miss Haven. You know, like we said, a couple units, they're all Calvary and they're moving 2d6 and you're like, all right, cool. Here's my spell on them. Now you don't get an armor save when they come in, and so they're moving seven inches plus their normal move, and you can give them an extra three-inch move, and then they're charging. I mean, they're crossing the board. It's it's pretty strong. Yeah, I don't mind that. There's some, there's some good stuff in there, some good movement tech, because it used to be like half your army would come off from the side of the board, and if it was, you know, elf, elf kind of keyworded, but um, there's a lot more consistency. I don't mind that. I don't mind the Miss Tarbin one. I really don't mind that. Yeah, I, th- I think it's solid, and I think it helps you fix some positional errors too as well. And that's probably one call out, right, is that there's not a lot of movement tech outside of, say, Living Cities and Mist Harvin. So if you find that your your troops are too slow, if you can't move around the board very quickly, like there's no teleports, there's no deep striking, there's nothing outside of that, it's your Mist Harvin and it's your Living City that brings that to the fold. Um, Obviously, Mist Harbin is more in-game where you can kind of reposition and move around a bit more as opposed to um, Living City, which is that deployment piece where you can set up and flank your opponent. Yeah, definitely. What about Vindicarum? I'm, I'm a fan. I love this. I love <laughs> this because I, 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 I'm a mad lad with the flagellants. Where are I you love last? that you can rally in combat. I think it's hilarious. Um I mean, that's pretty solid right there. And then if you, if you really want to be the mad lad that runs flagellants, just give him that five up ward from the from from the Pope, and he'll have a good old time. It's like it's like zombie light, you know what I mean? It's it's not quite as good as zombies, but you're like, cool. I've got a bunch of dudes that are just angry, swinging some flails around. Um, I will call out though. I think one big difference though, and I just want to triple check this before I maybe put my foot into it, is one of the key differences between yep. The differences between flagellant spam and um, zombie spam is that flagellants come in units of 10 as opposed to f- zombies who come in units of f- 20. So when you start double reinforcing zombies, at 60, while I can only maximum go into 30. So being able to do the output and grow them back is so much harder with flagellants. So don't think this is just a rinse and repeat. It's very different. Yeah, it does not have the same output, but it, it is a really cool thing and, and honestly, they have a decent attack row power. Like, it's not terrible, and you can Horfrost it, too. Have all kinds of yeah. fun. And they are bat- Flagellants are battle line if you take the uh, the Matriarch of the Great Wheel as well. So 
Um, but I probably wouldn't go full flagellants. I'd still probably want some shooting behind the lines, um, some objective control pieces. Um, because the flagellants I mean they're great screens. Yeah. Yeah, I can see how I can see how a bunch of like MSU plus one or two big blocks. Oh yeah. Anything else you'd say about the the sub factions? I guess like when you start list building, the value of units start un unlocking. Like for example, right, flagellants in any other type of sub faction, they're a cheap screen. They they're okay. They're chaff. They're annoying. In Vindicarum, they're supercharged. The same is true of a lot of the units, right? You talk about the 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 knights. Chuck the knights into Excelsius, and holy crap! Look at the strength now of the knights. Yep. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah, I think I think it kind of points you in the right direction. And uh, a lot of these lists, like once we get into lists, the first list I wrote it in a way that you could throw it into four different of these sub factions and play it different ways in each one. Yeah, like the the, the, the you talked earlier about the gun line in in Grey Water. That's just way more obvious. Before we get into your lists, we will quickly go over the grand strategies, battle tactics, and your one battalion. Um, grand strats point of view. Do you like any of these grand strategies in the current General's Handbook 2023? Um, and will you be picking this over, like, you know, spellcasting Savant or, you know, whatever the other ones are? Or are you, is something here stand out for you and why? Yeah, I actually, I really like them. Uh, the grand strategies that are kind of popping out to me are uh, banners held high. So it's just have more banners and totems count as a banner um, than your opponent at the end of the game. So basically, if you're alive and hanging in there, you only get your grand strat. It's pretty easy to do. Um, and then the other one I like is reclaim for Sigmar. Um, get one unit in each quarter. You know, you or something like a gyrocopter in each quarter, and just have them sit there and be like, "You want to stop my grand strategy, or do you want to play the game?" <laughs> um, so it gives you kind of some opportunities because grand strategies are so important right now. Some some armies have some very very easy ones, and some armies have some very tough ones. Um, and I think these unlock. Uh, more play for from you so now you're you're kind of ahead of the game because you're not having to play into a grand strategy which is really neat yeah uh, i will say that your uh bravery is often quite low in this army so having some inspiring presence ability to to keep that one banner around or that totem as well um any way you could possibly do that is going to help you get that grand strategy so keep that in mind but you're right like i think banners held high is a good one um hold the high ground sounds like it's good but often it's a melee scrum in the middle and unfortunately that's going to make it hard to kind of clear out the middle yeah and i hate tough. and i hate the top one i hate anything that forces me to do four battle tactics from a book no it's it's and then this book has great battle tactics but it's just very hard to do I still want to be in a position where, like, I, I, I've got, like, let's say, um, you know, magical, magical supremacy, or I've got something from the GHB which I can do right now, but I've got to choose something from my book because my grand strategy is tied to it. Yeah, I'm 100 percent with you on that one. And before for you, yeah, go on. I was just saying. Before... I was gonna say the, the banner self high. Don't forget that if you've got a command core, I know I keep harping on them. You want to bring three models back and you've already lost your, you know, your triple reinforced unit. You just bring three, uh, three banners back right there. You know what I mean? If you've got, you know, one guy remaining, okay, let me add three banners to it. Grand strike yes. completed. Yep. Good, good, good comment. Uh, what I was going to say is uh, I'm pretty sure the Pope is a totem, if I remember correctly. 
Yeah, if I remember correctly, I'll just quickly go and check the war scroll. I know the command core has one for sure. Oh, no, 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 no. The, the Pope isn't a totem. Yeah, it's um, just the command core that has one. So you get the command core, and then most of your list, you're, you're looking at maybe seven or eight of them. And then a lot of the enemy armies don't have any, which is kind of fantastic. So, yeah, yeah, really cool. What about the <laughs> battalion the, before the battle tactics? Let's just quickly talk battalion. In most cases, I'm guessing not going to be useful. I think it's a very niche thing. Um, again, if they reduce the points of that one hero, I think it might be worth. You know, if you want to be a two drop and, and you were like, hey, I have exactly this and then I also have a one drop, you know, or maybe I just throw a cannon in. If they reduce the points on cannon, you could possibly throw this thing in, get a unified you know, slayers on it. And, hey, man, I'm a two drop. This is great. Yeah, and I mean, you can take a unit of uh, three units of either the Fusiliers or the Steel Helm. So you've got an option, which is great, but it is forcing you to take the Ogre War Hulk, at least one of them. Uh, you do have an option to take a second one. Um, it's, it's optional. Uh, and you do have to take a Great Cannon. So if you were building, let's say, a Grey Water Fastness and you were going to already build this, awesome. Yeah. But that that's already expensive. What's that? Um, at pure minimum, if you did a Grey Water build, let's say you took, yeah, like almost a thousand points yeah exactly it's quite a bit cool from from your experience and just your thoughts like what battle tactics are standing up for you uh, are they ones that you use more than others and probably more importantly as well right now it's very hard for that turn one battle tactic is there one that you like for turn one um again yeah turn one is a little tough uh i i mean i do like Honestly, none of these are really, really good for turn one. So I think you're looking at like edges or outside your territory almost every single time and trying to build into that and just the, the basic GHB ones. Um, that being said, if you're bringing in or if you're bringing enough infantry guys, you can always suppressing fire. Um, if you think you're going to kill that unit, great. You can suppressing fire that unit and then finish it off with something. Or you know, I think if you shoot it in combat, it counts as being suppressed as well. So I think you're good. If it's only a 10 man unit, you know, just throw everything into that one unit, get your battle tactic. Okay, cool. We're done. Um, and at least it gives you options, right? And I think the suppressing fire one to bring full arms to bear is probably one of the tougher ones. And it seems a little risky because again, there's a lot of dice going on, depending on what their bravery is, how many guys you kill. It's kind of hard to calculate that while you're playing a game or a higher level game, just like off the top of your head. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I can I can see suppressing fire as something that seems easy and you fail by one or two wounds and uh, it's going to take a little bit of maths and, and good understanding of what output you can expect and ensuring you pick the right target in order to take it out. Yep, I fully agree. What, um, about, what about raise the banner? You're a, you're a, you've been talking for the last almost hour and a half about the benefits of the Command Corp. You are, the I should call you the Herald from the Command Corp. Do you see this one being scored very often? Um, are you putting these guys on objectives or are they chasing troops around? Um, well, I think the whole army is kind of sticking together in a, in a, almost all the time. So it's just like a moving castle. Please, almost like techless, but except for moving more. You know what I mean? Um, so, I, I, yeah, I think this is possible. I think once they take something, you know, maybe a, a very weak uh, investment from someone, they, they go first. They just tow into an objective. Cool. I'm going to move my guys on it and I'm going to auto run my banners up. And now I took it over. So it's, I think it's a very easy battle tactic. That's very doable. 
I think you'll probably you'll probably get this one fifty to sixty percent of games. I think it's pretty pretty common. Do you think the two there are two other battle tactics, by the way, one being um Duarden focused, one being elf focused. As a human kind of player, are you someone who is drawn to either of those two? And it's like, well, scoring battle tactics is important. I'm now going to bring a Duarden unit in to get that Iron Might or an Elf unit to get Strike Without Warning. Or is that not good enough or not easy enough that uh, you're not going to tweak your list just to get that particular battle tactic? Um, I think in this GHB, I do like the Strike Without Warning. Um, I Like I said, I do like throwing a Sorceress and then maybe two units of, uh, uh, what do you call them? Drake spawn knights and then a chariot as well. Cool. All three of them have a chance to charge. You know, if, if you've got something already locked up and it's a really easy charge, you just walk them up and I just got to roll threes. You know, that's a pretty easy, easy thing to do. And there so was think- a, there was an elf thing that you could re-roll charges if the general hit a successful charge, right? That was one of the... Mm, that was a human one, yeah. Was that human? Okay. That was right. human. But yeah, again, I mean, uh, I mean, I think charging three elves isn't that bad. I mean, I almost feel that's more consistent than trying to get the suppressing fire order. Uh, it's just, or even kill three enemy units with your shooting phase. I think those are, those are more niche than actually getting those. I think if I'm bringing elf units to do this, I think I'm, I'm just planning this in my mind, letting them get stuck into me and then kind of, on the flank and, and by basically my punch back is going to be hey i'm doing strike without warning yeah i i actually agree wholeheartedly i think they are much easier to do than the um you're right the um the return fire i think it's a risky play and i i think mounted charge is really good too especially with all these mounted units that are very good in this book um just again it's a good turn one turn two battle tactic they don't you know they put a screen on it Cool, my cavalry just runs up, charges into them, kills that unit. I control the objective, and now there's only cavalry guys on that objective. As long, yeah, you've got to make sure that it's only cavalry. So make sure that you didn't try to sneak on a couple of extra like steel helms just to ensure that you secure it off a monster, um, or you don't redeploy onto it for whatever reason. You're just gonna be if you're mindful. Yeah, that's a not a too hard of a one to score. It's also a thing where like, let's say my cavalry got stuck in, right? Or like tagged by something and they have a foot hero on an objective. I just retreat my five cavalry out, grab the objective, and complete a battle tactic. I was, li- charge. I was literally about to say then that complements the current general's handbook really well by by bait and bait and bait and switch, where like you know, you, you either hit a charge and then you kind of retreat and then you get some other things to charge. So it's a couple little combinations there that work quite nicely. Yeah, and I think this book plays really well around that. You have a lot of options, like the bait and switch, and I think Battle tactics should be easier in this book because of how many options you have. Yeah, there's a lot for, of good options. For humans, let me caveat. <laughs> yeah, this discussion with you is going to be a, a lot, I don't say nicer, but we've got more options as humans. Like when you look at what's changed in the old book, Duarden didn't get any anything extra. Elves only lost things. Um, they got no new units. They only lost a lot of their choices so if you are building an elf focused list it's a lot of like the same like what you already had it's just minor tweaks here and there but humans had such a huge glow up that for me i'm super excited i'd be curious to see how the elves and the dwarden players are are feeling after the changes and who knows maybe there'll be updates to them later on through different expansions definitely 
Anything else you'd say, Bart, on this one, or should we get into your two lists? Now let's go into them. We'll, cool. I'm sure we'll bring up Battle Tactics again. <laughs> so we've talked a lot of theory here, and I recognize there's a lot of information and there's a lot of units to discuss and the benefits and the synergies and the combinations. So Bart's put together two lists that he's been practicing, trialing, and um, has some initial thoughts. It doesn't mean that these lists are the only way that you can run the list. Obviously, if you love your... Um, your ogre warhawks and you want to run six of them you do you run them to your heart's content these are just some examples how we put the theory into practice and a list that you might take to a tournament but by no means is it the only way so the first list is a uh hammerhall gyra uh list which is banners held high there is no triumph because it's straight on uh, the 2k on the on the on the nose you do have the matriarch of the great wheel you have two war forges um, one having Blizzard, one having Hoarfrost with the Shemtech artifact. You've also got the Free Guild Marshal and Relic Envoy, which is the general with the Masters of Ballistics. You have a unit of Free Guild Command Corp, uh, a unit of double reinforced Fusiliers, two, two units of Steel Helms just reinforced singly, and a unit of Steel Helms double reinforced, uh, a unit of the Cavaliers, and then Geminids and uh, grave tide to wrap this up at 146 wounds what's this list all about how does it work what's the combinations like how what are you doing with this list this list is really complicated we're gonna walk forward and stand on circles that's it we're gonna go pew pew and we're gonna stand around with a big pile of dudes just standing in the middle uh, i think this is a good starting list i think it's a good list that you could pull something out of the box and come up with this and you can cut certain parts of this list and build it differently and add some elves, add some dwarves, whatever you want to do to make it your own. Um, and it's just kind of build around that. So basically, you know, the Pontifax is giving your whole army a five up or the Warforger, one of them is going to cast Horfrost or Blizzard, depending on if they're close. And then the other one goes, cool. Everybody else gets plus one to save. And then you've got your little uh, Marshall that's giving out uh, once per game. Uh, every unit counts as a... Uh, two models on an objective, which is insane. You have bravery 10 as long as you have 10 or more. So most of the time, the unit's going to be able to receive that. Um, and he gets a four-up ward from the Free Guild Court. Also, he, uh, the Free Guild Court, and he's getting uh, he's getting you your fourth uh, order as well. So the only thing I'd say about this list is it's a little short on orders. Um, I did throw in Geminids and Gravetide uh, just to kind of give you some other little options in case you didn't want to cast something else or you, know, you really didn't know what you wanted to do, but I think there are some really cool options. Um, you got double reinforced fusiliers, and one of your warforgers will probably honestly be just casting the new curse spell on them. So all sixes to hit count as mortal wounds. So even if you're shooting something tough, you're gonna do 10 mortal wounds to it. That's if nothing goes through. That's the Warforger's uh base war scroll spell. That's the um I'm just... I can't, I can't think of the name of the top of my head. I'm trying to quickly scroll to the page. Oh, yeah. Um, I cannot remember the name of him either. <laughs> it, but that's the one on the war scroll because that wasn't discussed on the uh, the spell law. That's yep. um, uh, the blazing weapons. So blazing weapons, casting value of seven, uh, range of 12. Uh, it is only for cities, humans as well. So you can't put it on a shooting unit of, say, um, your elves or your, um, your, your iron drakes, um, which would be crazy. Uh, but it also is worth calling out that if you uh, is is it it's, if you use the spell if you use the plus one 
Yeah, if you do the save, you can't cast any spells. So you yeah, either yeah, cast yeah. a spell or you do the save. And so in the current GHB that we're in right now, this is a this is a good opportunity to maybe go with a four drop or a two drop, which gives you a pretty decent chance of going second. So now what you're doing is you're choosing one of your Warforges to get two cast. The other one's going to give you your bonus. So that maybe you'll say turn one, I want a Horfrost and I want sixes do mortals on my units. Or I throw out Geminids and sixes do mortals. Whatever you want. Gives you a lot of different little options. And you, you don't have to stick these in the spells or think that they're the best. I just threw some good ones in here. Kind of show you that you can play with the points a bit and kind of rearrange some stuff. It's also worth noting as well, the um, the the Warforger gets plus one to cast as well. So if you put it into um, Settler's Gain, that'd be a plus two to cast. Uh, or obviously it's going to help you kind of bridge the gap, especially with, um, with your Primal Magic die. So seven plus one plus your Primal Dice, you're, you're, you're in good steads to get that one off if you need it. Yeah, definitely. I think it's I think it's a, just a good like template to start out and figure out where you're going. And like I said, you can run this as many different um, sub-factions. You could drop another, the, the Double Reinforced Steel Helms and the Endless Spells and kind of rotate and grab some more heroes, maybe the, the Cavalier Hero to go with it, or maybe you throw in some Elves and you could go Mist Haven, you could go really anything you want. You can go Lethus to stop them from getting a, a ward save if you want to do that. That way your Fusiliers do even more damage. Um, and I think that's one of the cool things about this book is like a list like this that can definitely fit into a lot of different cities is pretty nice. Yeah, and that's the cool thing, right, is that you can take this list, try it out in a couple of different um, cities, and and you'll see some strengths kind of appear and some weaknesses. Like you put this into grey water and the Fusilis become even better. You put this into, as I said, a Settler's Gain or a, a Hello Heart, the Ford Forges become better. You know, you, you put them in different areas and things kind of improve. Um, maybe you put this into a, a, a Vindicarum list and you scale back some of the Steel Helms and bring Flagellants. Uh, it, couple of questions then is where is the matriarch kind of following like as the game kind of progresses um who's it supporting the most um kind of what my thought on this is she's just literally like you want to get her out of your territory as soon as possible so if it's full half boards okay it's a little tougher but if you're at 11 inches you're putting move on your steel homes to try to get them out move on your fusiliers and i think she kind of sits right in there between like maybe even in the middle of the fusiliers or close to that. You know what I mean? And you've got steel homes on the front, maybe a small unit of steel homes in the back, or even you use your uh, your cavaliers to cover your backup. And you're just literally walking through as a giant just mob because you want to get that you want to get everyone in that that uh, 18 inch five up ward save bubble. And then you the harder spot is trying to get everyone in that 12 inch plus one to the armor save bubble from the warforger. And the reason, by the way, just to come back for a second, um, why do you want to get the uh, ma the matriarch outside of your territory? It's because um, she has a prayer with a casting value of three. If it's in your territory, you get to choose one of the following effects. There's three different effects. One is a five-plus ward bubble uh, wholly within 18, which is very generous. The other one is plus two move for humans. And then the other one, which I can't wait to do, is cast out all evil. So each enemy wizard and each enemy priest on the battlefield on a two plus takes D three mortal wounds. Yeah. I two, love two turns of that could be popping a whole bunch of those um, acolytes, like your little, your little Horfrost blizzard people you're scared of. See you later. 
Yeah, and it's all wizards, right? Or does it say hero wizards? Uh, it's, just, it's just enemy wizard or priest. So um, not, not, nothing specific about heroes. It's just wizard or priest. Yeah, so inf- or units that are pre- wizards get a little extra money off that. You know, if someone's running Acolyte builds or Prestige, you use that and you're like, okay, cool. All three of those units over there that were wizards, when they lose one model, they don't become wizards anymore. So you're like, cool, got rid of three wizards this turn for Zinch. That's not bad. Yeah, it, it's a great model. It's a really cool model. But I wanted to know, like, where but that 18 inch bubble, like, anyone who played the old Demon Prince of Corn, like, knows that 18 inch bubble is super generous. That takes up a lot of the battlefield. So, if you could just get it on the halfway mark outside your territory, 18 inch bubble giving up a five plus ward to everybody, plus it it's having its own natural four plus ward. It's going to be the target. Everyone is going to try to take this out. It's only nine wounds, but uh, know that it's going to take a lot of focus from your 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 opponent. That's the perfect number of wounds, though. Now you can't get shot outside of twelve. It's like a great number to be. Yeah, you. Um, yeah. And like going. Oh, go ahead. No, no. Just anything else you want to add with this list? Yeah. I was going to say going back to battle tactics. I mean, raise the banners is easy in this one full arms to bear that you get a chance to suppressing you know and then maybe if you don't kill it you get the cavaliers to finish it off uh mount the charge you know your cavaliers trading for uh, like i said a, a cheap screen um there's a chance you can get the black powder bombardment and kill off kill three different units maybe middle or later this game after you you know whittle a lot of things down or like you said i've done d3 mortal wounds to all the wizards three times now i'm gonna walk up i already shot the other unit so now they're not protected anymore and I'm going to kill the wizards off. You know, that's an easy target. They've all got one wound apiece. Sure. Five fusiliers in each one. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And the cool thing is that, yeah, one, it's got great battle tactics. Two, there's enough flexibility that if points did increase, you could just drop the endless spells. And hopefully that fat is enough for you to keep the same list. Um, if you wanted to tweak it and you wanted to bring in a battle mage or a, or a sorceress, or you wanted to bring in, um, you know what are they called the wild corp the um the yeah the wild the corp hunters you could drop some steel helms and bring that in as a battle line option to have some cheaper screens and pre-game movement or like there's so many cool options that um it's a list builder's dream yeah it really is and i, I mean it's 146 wounds and the worst save in here is like a four up you could no go complaints. battle you could go battle regiment to reduce this drop significantly you could go warlord command entourage you could um, there's, there's, a, there's enough here that you've got flexibility. And as you said, there are six banners, one, two, three, four, five, six, because the, the command corp has a totem. Then there's banners on all of the free guild units. Twelve. Yeah, there's 12 banners. So there's three in the Fusiliers, I think, right? Two in the Steelers, uh, two, three, and then one in the Cavaliers. I'm not 100% on the Fusiliers. Though. Yeah, that, that's literally what I was going to go check. But um, cool. Either way, like lots of banners. Um that's cool. And there's enough flexibility for you to to tweak this however you want to tweak it. Yep. Any final comments before we move to the other list? Um, no, I think that's it. Sweet. And obviously we can tweak this however we want to tweak it and uh, change the city accordingly. The other one is Excelsius. I'm so excited to see Excelsius, the only city of ours in Gur. Uh, so while we're still in Gur and hopefully we move out in 12 months time into a new realm, um, this is where the shard of the old world is sitting um, as malice. There's a little bit of law for you. Don't confuse me with two plus tough, but 
You have uh, Banners Held High again. Bloodthirsty is a triumph. You have the Free Guild General on Griffin, which is um, the Grizzled Veteran and the Sigmarite Warhammer. We kept the Matriarch of the Great Wheel, Double Warforger. We just noticed that there's no artifact on it. I think the other one had an artifact, or maybe I'm losing my plot. Yeah, the other one You've got two of the Free Guild Cavalry Marshals. So that's the hero on Horsey. You have uh, a unit of Reinforced Cavaliers, two units of non-Reinforced Cavaliers, a unit of Steel Helms uh, Reinforced, and our good old friends, the Free Guild Command Corp, as well as Geminid. So a little less wounds, probably a little high armor save, a little higher movement. And um, yeah, how does this one differ? No shooting. No, no, no Fusiliers. Yeah, I took no shooting in this list. Um... This one's pretty fun. There's a lot of little tech in this list. And again, throwing in the Geminids and stuff, I, I'm just trying to throw a little, like you said, a little fat on these to make sure when they do make changes or if they do make changes, your list are pretty safe, you know? So what I like about the Free Guild Marshal on uh, Griffin is so with this setup, he can only be wounded on four ups, which makes him innately a lot more tanky. Pretty nice. Um, and then again with the Warhammer, and I got to double check on this. Yeah. So he gets two roars. He's going to be just as the guy up top is four attacks. If it's the first time he's going into fight, you can use the order. So up top, he's five attacks. Let's say you all out attack him because why not at that point in time? Now he's twos, threes, rend three, damage four. I mean, he could do 20 damage to something just with the guy's attacks up top. That's not counting the things below. You know what I mean? And rend three is nothing to scoff at, especially when he gets two roars, right? It's pretty nice. Um, and you could have, I could have also given him that. Remember, we were talking about the reroll charges if he completes a charge. That one's not bad mm. either. Um, and then you've got the, 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 the Pope, we're just going to call her. And she's giving out the aura again because having that, that war save is pretty nice. You've got two war forgers. Um, you probably are using Horfrost more often in this list because obviously adding a bunch of Ren to one of these Cavaliers units could be good. And then using the innate spell on the Cavaliers is really good because extra mortals is really strong. So you could, in theory, get one of them at Ren 3 and they're doing sixes to hit immortals and just rip through stuff. And then after they charge, they're also, or after they attack, they're also doing their mortals. Now here's I where imagine, we get a, oh, go ahead. No, I, I imagine because of the speed, your matriarch is going to mostly be following around the Steel Helms. Um, because I've eventually, obviously, your, your Griffin, uh, your Knights are going to be flying too quickly they they might get out of range but i guess if you're hitting the 18 inch bubble you could just hold them back a little so you don't yeah have to... it's such a big bubble man like it's yeah. kind of comical because if she's just using her three inches to move a little bit up like and you really want to go second in this list so that way they're coming into you and then you're moving back out and you're getting all your little buffs off great great castle although if if, if you went first right especially if you got like a, an aggressive corn or an ogre or a sun's army Maybe you want to go first, just chuck on that ward um, and, and prepare for impact. Yeah, especially with that plus one to save, like you said, in the wards, you just sit there in that little bubble and go, all right, I'm waiting for my opportunity. Now, here's a really cool thing with this list. So when a free guild Cavalier Marshal, the heroes, the mounted heroes, complete a charge, they get always strikes first. Mm. When they fight, a Cavalier unit gets to fight. So there's a world where you can charge with your marshals and your all or your units of cavaliers. So two units of cavaliers, two units of marshals, or two heroes, and the griffin. So the, the cavalier marshal fights, a unit of cavalier fights. The free go cavalier fights, a unit of cavaliers fight. 
So you get four fights stri uh, uh, strikes first, and then you get the Griffin to fight as your first selected fight. So you fight with five units before they get to react to you. And they're all doing mortals, so that's on average 10 mortals plus all the damage all the stuff did. I don't know if I forgot this rule or it's just because I missed it in all the goodness, but also the free guild Cavalier Marshal, when it uses Finest Hour, adds plus three to charge and um, gives it to friendly free guild Cavalier units while they're wholly within 12 inches. Yeah. Holy. Yep. Wow. So it's pretty strong. Also, again, if they're fighting for the first time, you can give the whole unit plus one to attack from one of the one of the orders. So they start hitting really hard, especially with the sixes do mortals as well. Now, here's another really fun thing. <laughs> for the slot back, you can put like just your steel helms out, right? And let's say it's something that's really aggressive that wants to come into you. You get all your buffs off and you put a bunch of counter charges on. Countercharge gives you an additional rent. So you would then be rent three when you countercharge. So you could take basically three countercharges, right? Um, so like if you had a unit of Cavaliers tanking in the front, like the five man in the front, and then at the end of the phase, a unit of Cavaliers could charge and two free guild marshals could charge. If one was finest hour, all three would be charging at plus three to charge. And again, again all four units would get to fight first before the enemy who charged you gets to fight. And because they're doing the counter charge, they're all getting increased rend as well. And the count is completely in charge. So like I said, the unit that's charging, that's just the Cavaliers gets rend three. Are you worried about that reinforced unit of Cavaliers not getting all their attacks in because they're only one inch range, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think on average, you're going to get like eight guys in is kind of the way I would resign myself to. Okay. And a perfect storm, you can get all 10 in. It's, it's easy sure. enough to do. Um, but it's a pretty big investment and you got to be willing to, as soon as you lose one, you're losing four, right? Cause as soon as you lose one, you now have to kill down to six. Mm. So I think what you do is you just leave it as eight and you have like little triangles on the corners and just kind of hope for that and see how that takes you and use your pile and to kind of correct it. And that way you're not losing a bunch of guys. Um, but I think eight's a safe number. Seven or eight is a safe number to be attacking with. And they hit so hard. That's why I only have one reinforced unit. Um, I, I originally thought about running two, but I think just having them separated gives you more power. I, I, I would even almost maybe consider splitting the, the reinforced unit out to have four units of just five, especially with the new coherency rules. I'm like, oh, you, you don't really get to benefit from that at all, being a unit of 10 when you're reinforced. Are you better off having four units as opposed to two, three units? Like it's pros and cons either way. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I think. So when I was playing a couple of games previously, I would screen with steel homes, put the five-man units on the flanks with their marshals, and normally that would pick up the middle unit, you know what I mean? Like I'd be able mm -hmm. to get the middle unit into one of the auras. I would then, you know, going into my turn, finest hour, and charge everything in, kind of get everything in. Um, and then you're just, there's so many things going first. And you're getting so many a little extra mortal wound chip damage on top of that it, it felt pretty nice but again splitting them up isn't a bad idea um i think hold on one two three four five it doesn't really yeah it doesn't hurt you on how many drops you'd be no matter what so although you would get in, in excelsius especially you would get the extra mortal wounds because you're rolling 10 dice for the four up as opposed to the five so 
um, again, there's pros and cons either way. Like that unit of 10 cavalry is going to slap and they're going to slap hard between the plus one to wound on the charge. They get to the mortals on the way out. Uh, on Sorry, on when they've like, finished combat. Um, as I, I've said, look, in the martial strikes, they can strike. So um, there's some good stuff in here. I guess it depends on what we're fighting and are we going to be fighting small MSU units, multiple. Doesn't change your list at all. Yeah, and if you're running, if you're splitting them up, you honestly have a case to run the one where you have a unit in each quarter, because there's so many little units here that it's really easy to put them in different quarters, and then maybe it's easy to get your grand strat. I'm not 100 percent sure. It's just going to take more play testing. Or the unit of ten is survivable enough to keep you around. So again, this, this, this pros and cons either way. Who yep. who benefits from Hawfrost the most in this list? Um, honestly, it's just, you just throw it on there. I love it as just a deterrent. I think most of the time you're using her innate war scroll spell to get the sixes to hit do mortals and you're probably throwing mystic shield. Um, but I do like the opportunity of going, cool, here's my steel helms and they're run three. Do you want to come deal with them or not? Literally what I was thinking, I'm going hitting on fours, wounding on fours. I'm like, eh, I'm not whole frosting that, but ran nothing. They're two attacks each. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's comical. I mean, and again, you can also do it with the Cavaliers too. Like, okay, if I hit the Cavaliers with it, and you're like, all right, I'm either going to hit their rend, or honestly, most likely I'll hit their to wound or something. You know what I mean? So now they're, you can get them on twos and twos and their rend two damage too. Like that's pretty solid damage, especially with the, the innate spell. I know for me, I've really enjoyed the um, Acolyte, the Battalion, having two Wizards, getting an extra Primal Dice on a 3+. So I could see a world where you also change the Hawfrost to have double bl double Blizzard. And then if one goes down, you still got another Blizzard. And you, you wherever you need the plus one save, you've got a Blizzard somewhere else. So Because um, I'm not seeing a lot of things you could actually benefit from Hawfrost. It is good, but I'm not seeing... No, it's it's not anything amazing. It's it's really just uh, to help bridge the gap in case you uh, you aren't going to get your war scroll spell off and you still have dice or something. But outside of Excelsius or not on the charge, then you know the, pl the plus two wound to bring that down might actually be a benefit. Yeah, yeah, yeah hundred percent. And like I said, it's just a big combo army, and, and there's so much little play that people forget about being able to get that you know that general on the uh, the Griffin to charge in, maybe roar something, and now he's also on the charge, and you're like, oh, crap, do I put some attacks and try to kill the general now, or do I kill my original target? Now I'm, you know, I'm minus one to hit effectively because I was going to all-out attack these guys, or, you know, and, and he's, you know, that, that general's then hitting for possibly dealing 20 damage if you just let him sit there too, right? So that counter charge is actually really, really strong. It's what I found was probably the most... Uh, oppressive thing in that list it's just being able to throw out i've got three counter charges counter charges hidden you don't know where they are they're on hero somewhere do you tag everything because that's also annoying do you want to bring everything into combat you know what i mean because then if everything's even if it's a bad pile in because i'm excelsius i'm doing mortal wounds as well yeah i i, I like it and i think this is like a real it's not simple and cities has never been simple. Um, it's always been like a lot of nuance, a lot of tech pieces. And I think what's come to the forefront between the old book and the new book is there's now even more reliance on small heroes and the order mechanic is just getting you to think about and deconstruct your army a little differently. Instead of looking at one major force or looking at like, they, they you know, 
you listen to anyone, they talk about like three threats or you, you have, you know, power pairs. Like you've got to have unit hero or unit unit hero. You want to have these combinations. And when you start building it, you saw it in your list. Cavalier, Marshall, Cavalier, Marshall, um, Fusilier, you got, you know, you're going to have to have a, a Marshall to be able to issue stuff to them or like what are the pairs, what are the trios? And you see the War Scrolls just become so much better because of the the orders, because of the benefits, and then at the Pope, at a whole bunch of other units, and man, that, that five up ward is so good. Uh, it'll it'll get the bat the nerf bat, but it's all right. I used to run a Luminarch just to get a six plus ward. I'm like, yeah, six plus ward Luminarch. You're like, you're never coming out of retirement. I'm sorry, Luminarch. You stay at home. No, that poor. I was really disappointed when they made the the Huracanum that it's like, units holy within nine inches get the buff now instead of models holy within nine or whatever it was. I was but like, ah. The Huracanum oh. Storm of Shemtech, though, holy shite. Uh, to go from three attacks to now it increases as the battle round kind of progresses. Yeah, but it's it shoots technically shoots in both. So I think you get your value back in like turn three or something. But I would be surprised if that's happening. Like, like yeah, like you said. So if it's if it doesn't happen, right? It's just objectively worse because you can't move it before you shoot now, and you're only getting one, two, d three, three, d three, four, d three, and five, d three. Yeah. So whereas originally you get like fifteen, now you get like some number less than that. Maybe it's fifteen yeah. still. I don't know. Well, it used to be consistent. You get three every time. Obviously, the profile would degrade, but um, the output, if you can keep it around, um, just becomes so much better in the late game. But so may, maybe you're right. Maybe maybe it is meant to shoot in both phases because otherwise the output is not work. Turn one, turn two, when is the most crucial part of the game, or even turn two to turn three, I've lost power. Yeah. yeah. Like just, just right. comparing the two War Scrolls between turn one, turn two, turn one to turn three, I've lost power. Turn four to turn five, I've gained power, but I don't need it then. Yeah, I either won or I didn't most of the time by turn four, right? Yeah, yeah. How do you think, like, maybe, like, the fi- one of the final questions, uh, a couple of final questions, do you think there's any good allies that you'd maybe bring into cities that obviously we have such a great ally pool, um, everyone in order except for Seraphon, is there anyone that kind of stands out for you um, that is worth considering? I mean, obviously the little angry dwarf's always always worth getting thrown in there somewhere. I mean, could you imagine him just standing amongst like 80 steel homes and it's just this guy too? You're like, how do I deal with that guy as well? You know? Angry right. man being uh, go, go trick. trick. Yeah. Go trick. Just, I mean, he just does so well. You know what I mean? Like, he's pretty tough. Um, and I mean, he most of the time he just com- makes his own objective and then you can just deal with the other three objectives. And it's just like one dude off on his own. Um, I think C prime is really good. Cause I think this game, uh, this army plays really well, especially on the early turns, kind of keeping people off of objectives. And then you don't have to bring C prime down. So when he does come down, he's more valuable. Um, so he's got that guaranteed charge and he can kind of be a surgical piece for you. Mm. Um, other than that, I mean, I'm sure there's like, there's still always a little bit of, long strikes and the you know the fall money there's the stuff everyone used to bring but i think falms actually increased or are too high in points now to bring a four anymore yeah yeah fulminators definitely you can't take you can't take any more than two um dragons you can obviously only take two 
I, w- I was thinking like you're on the same page as I am. Like, cause one of the things, the blaring gaps now, especially that shadow warriors are gone is there's no movement tech tech. So like shadow warriors used to be a great deep strike unit. I'm thinking like Canary, or yep. I'm thinking things like, um, what's it called? The, um, the, the daughters of Cain unit that like set up on the board and then they can teleport um, instead of moving the, um, shadow stalkers or, um, as you said, prime, I think, um, getting something coming off the field will, will bring a lot of, and like, obviously the prime scepter can kind of do mortal wounds in a little bubble. Great for the wizard meta. Um, Tree but revs. I feel like that's the gap. Tree revs, that was literally where I was going. I was like, right. tree revs, anything that brings movement shenanigans, I could see not a big investment, get you to, you know, score things on the side of the board, move around, reposition, um, because you are a castle, as you, you've already said, you're moving as a big castle. Um, how do you reposition? How do you get to certain parts of the board? You need some tech. You can't teleport. You've got no natural deep striking outside of Living City Mistarvin, so... Yeah, and I think I think that's where we'll see. Like, give it a give it a few months, and the good players will start bringing some mishaven. You know what I mean? To kind of fill that one gap that they really are struggling with, and then it's like you know the whole the whole game they were moving four inches, and then all of a sudden they cross the board on me. You know what I mean? Like, it lulls you into that sense of security, and then all of a sudden they just reached out and touched everything you didn't want them to touch. All your toys are gone. The game is one in movement. Like it's not one in combat. It's one in movement. And yeah, I, I can't stress enough how important that is. So uh, I dig it. I dig it a lot. Um, maybe one, maybe one of the, some of the last questions would be, where do you think this army stands in the current meta? So assuming that like there's no nerfs, no changes, no war scroll updates, no points adjustments, when it ends the competitive scene, when it enters tournaments, do you think it's a 5-0 and o army? Do you think it's a gatekeeper to the top? Um, where 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 are you standing? Um, I mean, it's definitely to an extent going to be a gatekeeper. I think it's like an A plus army. It's it's pretty high up there. Um, I think it does really well into a couple of the boogeymen. So I think it does well into OBR. Um, I think there's some really good options that do very well into zombies as well. And those are the two list, like the two armies that people are afraid of right now. The third one that everyone's afraid of, I think, is just gonna. It might just mollywop them. The the frogs are just gonna be able to pick up so many of their support pieces. I think. They're going to struggle, so you might end up seeing you know higher steel home count armies because they're just like, cool, I'm just going to keep trying to bring guys back to life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and try to keep the frogs off the point. Um, I don't know if it'll be enough. You know, We'll see how that comes out. But I, I think that being said, Seraphon will kind of keep them in check, so I don't think they're going to be as bad as other people think. And I think Corn does really well. Into them. You know, I said I've been playing a lot of Corn recently, and I think there's a lot of different play with getting rid of the heroes. And, and I think you know, that being said, any any army that can really get rid of their heroes and limit their output is going to do well. Zinch will be able to basically control what they're doing as well. And this is kind of why the Matriarch becomes so important, because you've got to keep those heroes around as long as possible. So between the Free Guild Command Corps, between the Matriarch, that's just going to avoid the hero sniping. And I wonder... If you don't have something like that, you you saw last year, you saw the Stormcast, like four banners, the Vexilor banners, where it's just like dropping mortal wounds. That's enough to pull down your heroes and shut down your entire, like they're the linchpin. Like without those little heroes, you're, so many of your army doesn't do as nearly as much as what you want it to do. So you need protection. Yeah. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. Wrap, it, wrap, wrap up your heroes. It's kind of ironic coming from the Pope, right? <laughs> 
<laughs> the Pope's your protection. <laughs> the Pope is your protection. There's a merch. There's a merchandise there somewhere. I'm sure. I'm sure we can make some money. <laughs> but is there any final things you want to share? Uh, we've obviously talked a lot about this, and there's going to be a lot of things we're going to learn as we go. I'm sorry if we didn't talk about your favorite unit, folks. Uh, there will be more discussions, and maybe the Great Cannon's much better in a Dwarden build, or maybe there's some secret list tech in the Lioness of the Parch at some other kind of build. But this is how we're probably thinking about it. Um, and plus, my idiot Vindicarum flagellant army. But, but is there anything that you want to share or do you want to kind of wrap us up and tell us, um, give some shout outs? Um, no, not, not necessarily anything in particular, but I mean, I, like I said, I, I've said it a hundred times. This book's great. I think they did a really good job balancing it. You know, I mean, their points might not be the best, but they can fix the points. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's actually a really cool, coolly well-written book. Um, you're going to just want to kill the heroes. If you're really nervous about it and you think cities are just the boogeyman, just, the heroes you'll be fine you'll be able to hang out and just do whatever you want at that point in time um so i think there's play uh i think there's really cool things that cities can do and i think there's really cool play to counter what cities wants to do like we were talking about how cool Haven is you know how you turn off them running all the way across the board you just get within 12 then they're just a normal move unit that might be able to charge a little further and there was you know a spell. I mean? Wasn't there a debuff spell for movement as well? Like there was. Uh, oh yeah, they did have a debuff uh, spell. There's a. Is it mystifying me? Yeah, mystifying me. Asma does a um a spell a movement debuff. So like, there's so much shenanigans. I'm gonna be honest with you, mate. You've inspired me. Yeah. So I don't say this very often, but you've inspired me. I want to run a ethereal steam tank. I uh, do. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. And you know, we we're talking about how we lost all our toys earlier, right? I'm running wild riders for all my stuff. I'm literally gonna be running nothing but elves that I'll call them humans. You know what I mean? Like, it'll. It's all the same stuff. I mean, ethereal steam tanks could be hilarious because you'd be able to camp it in the middle of the barn and be like, "All right, cool. You thought uh, uh what you call were bad. Now I've got a two up save that doesn't change." <laughs> I I thought safe stacking with my uh my Drake Spawn Knights at 110 points was bad enough. Like I I survived the round of so my five Drake Spawn Knights in one game had three KO boats with a bunch of idiots on the boats shoot at them and it just killed them. Just killed them. This steam tank's gonna be forever. It's gonna be like the MVP. Oh yeah, if you don't have mortal wounds to deal with it, like I don't I don't even know what people do. I really don't. It's just a magnet for for Blizzard. It's just gonna, people are going to Blizzard that thing. <laughs> Someone's going to blow themselves up. They're like, I didn't know how to deal with a steam tank. I had to just keep throwing dice at it, and I just exploded my whole army. Like, it was one steam tank, dude. Just retreat and walk around it. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, oh, speaking of steam tank, another good little list tech I probably wanted to say as well as an ally is um, until the War Scroll gets changed in the next Stormcast book, the Lord Ordinator. That, oh yeah, because that's order. That's order. That's still order. War machines, which I used to use a lot with my volley guns and my rocket launchers, which are no longer in the game. But it's steam tanks a war machine, so there's some some tech there. That's pretty neat. And you know, steam tanks are actually just as good as the cannons. Like shooting mm. ones, they like do about. I think they do almost the same exact damage when you overcharge them. So as long as they're I, not damaged. I did think about the Lord Ordinator. If you took two cannons. And you kept because the Lord Ordinator has a little bubble of plus one within a range. Mm -hmm. So you could have the Lord Ordinator two cannons keeping within the bubble, and you could just be popping off. There might be something in there, but you're right. They're, they're probably still, still a little too expensive. Yeah, if they cut points down, you could throw four of them and have a blast. No pun intended. 
Is there anyone you want to shout out at this particular point? I think you and I could talk forever, and that's the problem. Okay. Folks, this is why we had to focus it the way we focused it, because we'd be here forever, we looping back. You're like, oh, we did this, we do this, then we try this, and this unit. We're like, that's the benefit of cities, but it's also the curse. So my advice to you is stick, build a theme, build around it. You'll be chasing your tail forever if you try to find, like, optimum synergy early on. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give a couple people. So uh, Noah Singh helped me with the first list a lot. Uh, we, he's played probably five or six games more than me with similar stuff. Um, and then me and Nick True sat down one night and we were thought, you know, what's the dumbest thing we can do with Calvary? And uh, we sat there for about an hour and a half just laughing and being like, wait, so you're telling me four units can strike first and then I get to swing again and they get to roar twice? Like, this is awesome. What happens if you charge me? Oh, I still get to swing first? This is great. I'm playing this 100% of the time. And then plus three on the charge if you use finest hour. Like, just cool. Giddy up. Oh, yeah. Oh, also, they get plus three to move, too, because you use the order. So you're like, I move 13, and then I charge plus three. Who cares about redeploy? You're like, okay. I got like yeah. plus, plus a million. Yeah. it's. Uh, I think that'll be a really fun list. And like I said, me and Nick had a blast sitting there just coming up with it. Uh, I, a big thanks to those guys. And you know, Obviously, I, I hang out with a lot of the Team American guys, and they throw a ton of stuff at me. You know, we post list all through there and tough crowd discord uh you know the best club obviously the the championship club so well i, I can't agree with you mostly because uh at least at lvo last year i was an honorary socal uh united person I actually ranked pretty well despite despite one one tournament going four one with those gargants so uh <laughs> i don't know i'm open to offers for lvo 2025 24 i'll, I'll be back so uh fight for my love kids but, yeah um, but tough tough crowd has a great time it was absolute pleasure meeting you guys at lvo and um just just seeing it all come to life like you guys are just great players and, and great people so um you'll be at lvo again oh 100 yep what do you bring oh, yeah. you bring, will you bring in cities or are you going to bring something like i guess it depends on like when all these units come out and mm -hmm. what the status of the book's going to be like i'm concerned about rushing painting yeah, so like I said, I'm just using stuff that I already have. So, and that was another reason why I got to write this list. I've literally got a free guild general sitting over here. I've got all my calves sitting over there. It's great for me. Um, I did commit to going corn uh, until the end of 2023, but guess what? LVO's right at that precipice. So, uh, I might be doing some TTS practice on cities and bringing something like that. It kind of just depends on where I feel the two armies are and which one is the uh, the best bet to try to take LVO because I mean, we're all going there to win, right? So. Have a good old time and see if you can get that 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 iconic eight zero, you know. Well, let's see how. And by the way, folks, just just like I said at the start of the video, this is like literally day of release. So um, there has been no points adjustments, no erratas, no FAQs. We don't know the status. So if you're watching this four or six months after it's been released, um, just check the FAQs, see what's changed, see what erratas have come out. Some of the things we might have said are wrong or incorrect because they've been changed for things like Hurricanum, for example. Does it shoot in the enemy's hero phase or movement phase? I guess we'll wait and see. Um, but shout out to Tough Crowd, shout out to to Bart, who has been an incredible guest. I'm glad we waited. I said to you at LVO, I said, when Cities comes out, you're my first guest. And here we are eight months later talking Cities. So um, thank you much for, for, so much for your time. Um, as I mentioned, this is one of three. So there will be an Elf-focused video and there will be a Dwarden-focused video. So stay tuned. It'll be coming up pretty soon. But Bart, 
Thank you for your time, folks. I hope you enjoyed this. And if there's things that we didn't talk about and you think is valuable or you have some thoughts and ideas, you know what to do. Leave it in the comment section. Um, I'll be curious to hear. Maybe there's some secret list tech that we haven't covered uncovered yet that uh, maybe will make some valuable wild corpse or the lioness or the ogres, the ogre tail guys. We're all learning. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Bart. Yes, sir. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for hanging around until the end. I hope you enjoyed that video and you walked away with a few new ideas. Now, if you did, I would love it if you press like on the video, as well as left me a comment with your thoughts. The conversation will continue over on Discord, and the link is down below in the episode description. I also want to give a massive shout out to the AOS Coach patrons and YouTube members who are supporting the channel and the growth that you're seeing here. So cheers, you are all bloody legends. And until next time, don't roll a double one on a spell cast.